Hey, before you start listening to this podcast, pause it, pick up your phone, click subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love you. Enjoy the show, guys. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. It is Saturday, July 16th, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Jeff Nesbitt, and we got a great show for you today. In case you missed last week, our guest was Eric Gray. The episode was called Episode 72, Ancient Chinese Wisdom and Risky Behaviors in the Metaverse. We talk about all kinds of stuff, but we get pretty deep into Chinese herbalism, some cool local stuff with plants and fungi, mushrooms, things like that. And then we get into the metaverse, crypto, NFTs, and technology stuff. It's a pretty good podcast, so check that out. It's available now at ramblebytheriver.com and also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all that good stuff. If you like what you hear, please do me a favor and share the episode on social media or in real life. Just tell somebody about it. That's the way this show's spreading. We're not spending money on marketing or anything, so word of mouth is very important. So if you like it, spread the word. You can reach Ramble by the River on social media by checking us out at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. So the world is no less crazy this week than it has been any of the weeks. We just get a lot of crazy weeks these days. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but you know what's the most interesting to me right now is actually good news. I mean, I think. It might even be neutral now that I think about it. I don't know if it's good news, but the James Webb Telescope, it's amazing, right? We're all excited. James Webb Telescope. I don't know who James Webb is, but he made a damn good telescope. So I'm looking here at an article from Vox Media, and it says, Why the new James Webb Space Telescope images are such a big deal. The James Webb Space Telescope can simply see more of the universe than the Hubble Space Telescope ever could. Well, that's common knowledge. So I'm looking right now at this new picture from the James Webb Space Telescope, and it's the one with all of the different galaxies on it. And it's got thousands of galaxies. It's just one little square of the sky, and it's pretty incredible. You can see lots of stars. They are notable by their trademark six-pointed lens flare, as opposed to the Hubble Space Telescope, which had I think, well, I, I know it had a different number of points on the lens flare. That It's not something to go to talk about on a podcast because it's hard to explain. But the lens flare are those like points that make each star actually look like a star. They're like the light that's coming off in, in those lines of, of light. The coolest thing about this James Webb photo is that there's some galaxies in here that look very smeary and kind of rounded and warped. And the reason that is, it's not because that's the shape of them. It's because there is some kind of a super massive galaxy in the middle that we aren't really able to see because it's creating a warped gravity field where it essentially is making its own lens by bending space and time. Yeah, that's crazy. Here in this image that I'm looking at, I can see this kind of orb. It's like a presence that you can see because of the way it's bending the light, but... That essentially lets us see back in time to the beginning of the universe. Those galaxies that are kind of smeared and stretched, the light that's traveling from those is much, much further away than what it looks like. And 
the surrounding stars. So that light is actually billions of years old. And it's just now getting to our eyeballs. Literal photons were shot out of something billions of light years away. Right? Maybe millions. I'm not sure what light years, how to judge light years. It's kind of hard to eyeball. But they definitely look billions of light years away. It's amazing. What if we actually do end up getting there somehow? We're able to just like create wormholes and just jump and cover vast distances with the click of a mouse someday. That would be cool. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, if you take a look at the same image from the Hubble Space Telescope, it's still pretty cool, but the level of detail on this new one is just insane. It, the Hubble doesn't even shake a stick at it. That's not an expression. Okay, so yeah, here we go. The Hubble Space Telescope has those trademark four-pointed lens flare. I prefer the James Webb. It's prettier. Makes them look like actual stars instead of just like X's. God damn, that's cool. Another advantage that the Webb's another advantage that Webb's telescope has over the Hubble is that it collects different kinds of light. Light comes in a lot of different varieties. The human eye can only see a very narrow band known as visible light. But the universe contains a lot of light that is outside of this range, including the higher frequency, higher energy forms like ultraviolet light and gamma rays. Then there's a lower energy light with longer wavelengths like infrared, microwaves, and radio. The Hubble Space Telescope collects visible light, ultraviolet light, and a little of the infrared. The Webb is primarily an infrared telescope, so it sees light that's in a longer wavelength than our eyes can see. This seems nerdy and technical, but it's actually what allows the Webb to look farther back in time than the Hubble. Infrared light is often very old light, due to a phenomenon called redshifting. When a light source is moving away from a viewer, it gets stretched out, morphing into a longer and longer wavelength, growing redder. It's similar to what happens to sound when a siren goes by. The pitch increases as a siren approaches and then decreases as it trails away. Because space is constantly expanding, the furthest things away from us in the universe are moving away from us. Their light growing redder and redder before eventually dropping into the infrared spectrum. Infrared is invisible to human eyes, don't forget that. But Webb can capture it in stunning detail. One of the coolest pictures that they have put out so far is... It, what looks to me to be a nebula. That word just pops into my head. I don't know what a nebula is. It looks like a space cloud. It's crazy looking though. Ooh, here we've... Oh, wow. In another stunning image, Webb observes the remains of a dying star in the Southern Ring Nebula. On the left below, the nebula is captured in near-infrared, and on the right, it's captured in mid-infrared, which bring out different details in the cataclysm. The dim star in the center has been sending out rings of gas and dust for thousands of years in all directions. So it's actually a binary star. You can see it's actually two stars that are very close together that have combined and exploded. Pretty cool shit. Pretty cool shit. Anyway, that's just cool. We've been looking forward to those pictures for a while now, and, and we got them. Who knows if this will actually lead to any kind of new developments in space technology or anything like that. We might not learn anything from it, but it kind of seems like we're going to. My question is, where are the aliens? 
Show us aliens, James Webb, Mr. Jimmy W, Jimmy WT. The Jimmy WT needs to show us where the aliens be. Where the aliens at? Moving on. Shout out to Hillary Anderson, the newest member of the Ram Fam. Thank you, Hillary, for your subscription. I appreciate it, and we are happy to have you. Ramble by the River is made possible by the generous support of the Ram Fam. These are the Patreon subscribers. Each member of the Ram Fam gets access to behind-the-scenes show updates, merch drops, early access to every episode of Ramble by the River before it hits Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and exclusive bonus episodes that you can't find anywhere else. That includes Ramble on the Road, the premium monthly podcast that is only available with a subscription. If you're a fan of the show and you regularly check out these free episodes, then you're going to love the extras that come along with a membership. To subscribe, head over to RambleByTheRiver.com and click the subscribe link at the top of the page. That will take you right over to Patreon.com slash RambleByTheRiver, where you can select your subscription tier and get listening. My guest today... Uh, how would I describe my relationship with this guy? So I met this guy as a baby. He was a baby. I was a kid. I think I was 12 when he was born. But I grew up in Ocean Park, Washington. Ocean Park is a little town about three quarters of the way down the Long Beach Peninsula. On my block, there was a pack of dogs and a pack of kids and a few families and we were all fairly poor. And Calvin came from one of those families just down the road. His aunt and uncle were some of my very best friends growing up. We had a lot of adventures, Amanda and Charlie. They would come camping with us. They hung out at our house all the time, spent the night regularly. They were our best friends. They were really a major part of our childhood. Charlie passed away when I was a freshman in college and he had a really, really difficult last few years of his life, I think. And we had kind of lost touch a little bit, but I had seen him, I think, when I was home for the summer, was like, would have been like 2007. But yeah, that's very sad, but we're here to talk about Calvin today. Calvin was just a little baby, and I remember him being a cute kid, and we we packed him around a little bit. His older brother, Robert, I remember him being packed around a little bit more. Calvin was still pretty young when I left the neighborhood, so we didn't hang out a lot growing up. When I was 13, we moved out of that house. A lot of shit changed, and I kind of tried to put that part of my life behind me. By the way, that did not work, but that's neither here nor there. 13 years go by. I pretty much forgot Calvin existed. So now I'm 27 and I have returned to the peninsula after college and now I'm working at the job I have now and I'm starting to coach track with my new girlfriend who later became my wife, Melissa Nesbitt. And while I'm coaching track, I I see this kid standing around and he's blonde. He looks familiar, but I can't quite place him. And then Melissa tells me, you gotta meet this kid. He's the best. He came from kind of a rough upbringing, but somehow he's just one of those special kids who's got that special something, whatever it is that helps those kids make it through, that grit. He's got that quality, just something about him. 
you can just tell he's going to make it. He's going to be okay. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He somehow hasn't let the darkness of the world taint his view or make him forget how beautiful life can be. I mean, she didn't say all that, but that's what she was thinking. Because you know what I'm talking about? There's some kind of a quality that you can't quite nail down. You don't know exactly what it is, but it's something that helps a kid to make it out of bad situations. And not every kid gets it. It's a tragedy when they don't, but the lucky ones do. Calvin's one of those guys. And when she told me his name, I was like, oh my God, I know him. And I went and talked to him and he didn't remember me, obviously. And I thought he would at first for some reason. They had to remember me. How could they ever forget? In my mind was like, I was running those streets. But he didn't remember me being a, that he was just a toddler when I left. And so I explained who I was, where, where I knew him from and all that, and how I'd been pretty close with his family. And I immediately felt a kinship with him. Even though we didn't really know each other, I felt like I knew him. Uh, and I felt like he kind of knew me, like he could get, he would get where I was coming from with stuff because we came from the same place. He was not actually on our track team, but he just happened to be there every day because he was in the weight room. When I was a kid, I remember knowing his dad, Lionel, and his dad was gigantic. In my mind, he was gigantic. I don't know if he really was, probably not that tall really, but he had huge biceps. And I remember him just being pretty cool, scary, but cool. I have a vivid image of him carrying around a baseball bat and being like, I really don't want to get hit with that thing. I'm going to steer clear of that, that guy. This was before Robert was even born. So yeah, that would, I would have been a little kid, probably seven or eight years old. One time his dad uh, jumped a bicycle over my body. I'll never forget it. It was pretty dope. I, uh, yeah, we used to do that quite a bit. We do a little bit of bicycle jumps, set up a jump, lay a human body down in front of it, just give it a little bit of extra zest, make it more exciting. I usually was not the guy doing the jumping or the body part. I would be kind of the manager orchestrating things, making sure it went off without a hitch, responding to any emergencies, that kind of thing. But when Lionel was there, it's like, oh, I trust this guy. He can make it. So I laid right down, laid right down. No one was ever crushed. It was really a beautiful childhood memory. Yeah, but anyway, I had a feeling Calvin would be a strong guy. I had a feeling he'd get into weightlifting and stuff, and that's what he did. So after high school, he continued his fitness journey, and now he's going to college, and he is learning to be a, a physical trainer. He is a physical trainer now. He's working at Snap Fitness, and you'll hear all about that in the show. But we talk about Calvin's philosophies, about working out, about training, how he manages his interpersonal relationships, professionally versus personally. And we just kind of talk about the idea of growing up and what it means to become a man, how you can leave some of your pain and suffering behind you, how you can bring some of these things that you've learned through your struggles, how you bring that into your real life and use it as leverage to catapult you into the next chapter. Calvin is just a really sweet guy. He's got a genuinely good heart. And I hope you guys can see that in this podcast. Oh, shit. I just looked up on the clock and it was 666. So I got to say a little bit more. It's a superstition, but I'm not going to risk it. I hope you guys have a lovely day. Enjoy the podcast. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the smart and thoughtful Calvin Bates. 
chest now, say it with your chest I'm now. Young, I'm free, can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to ride it out. It's my time, it's my time, it's my time to ride it. I'm young, I'm free, can't nobody take. Check one, two, check one, two. All right, that's like perfect. Gotta stop popping those peas though. <laughs> peas go down, peas down. Pop, you know what I'm talking about? Plosives. No. So when you go, when you say things that begin with P, you hear that like knocking on the mic. Yeah. That's from the air coming from my lips hitting, hitting the microphone. So when you say peas, you t- tilt your head slightly down so that that air misses the mic, but the sound still goes in. Not something you have to think about a lot, but these are things I've learned over time. And it makes a big difference when you're listening to it. It does if you're a sound editor, <laughs> not if you're a regular person. Have you ever thought about that when you were listening to a podcast? Like, that guy's popping his peas, that motherfucker. I don't want to listen to this show. Never. No, me neither. No. I mean, I have since. I started learning how to do it and realizing like, oh, he's, well, that guy's a piece of trash. <laughs> he doesn't know how to just point his lips down, but you know how it is. So etiquette within podcasts. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's good advice to just be like, pretend the microphone's not even there mm-hmm. and just ignore it, just have a conversation because that's how you get the best content. But you got to pretend it's there a little bit. It's just kind of like I was talking about over or earlier. It's it's half performative, half just real conversation. Mm-hmm. You have to have conscience. You have to be like con- conscious that it's there, yeah. but you don't want to be constantly thinking about it being there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. like almost like it being in your peripheral vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Peripheral thought space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so welcome to the show. As I'm sure you know, we always start with uh, just some basic questions. So if you don't mind, please state your name. Calvin Biz. Date of birth. We'll bleep that out. We don't want to dox you. Okay, I'm going to read a series of statements, and you just tell me whether... You agree with it or not by uh, – your, your choices are this is not me, this describes me somewhat, or this is definitely me. Yeah. Understand? Yep. Okay. So most would describe me as charming and nonchalant. I can turn my charm on and off like a faucet. Is that not me, this describes me somewhat, or this is definitely me? Turns on and off, huh? Um, Do you have control over your charm? Can you use it as a tool? I I would say, yeah. Somewhat? Uh, I would say typically, yeah. Or definitely? Definitely. 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 I thought so, man. You're so charming. (laughs) I do what I want when I want the moment the impulse strikes me, regardless of what others want. Not me, somewhat, or definitely me. The impulse. So when you say impulse, is that an emotional response or? Say you're in the library and you're studying and then all of a sudden you have a thought that says, I would love a cheeseburger right now. But somebody wants to tell you, are you supposed to be eating that? What do you do? I I mean, I would not go get the cheeseburger. So You wouldn't get the cheeseburger? No. I try to to complete tasks now before I move on to the next as I've... As I've gotten older, I've I've realized that mental strength. Yeah, when I'm when I'm doing a bunch of when I'm trying to do one task and I think about another or start 
literally engaging in the other task, I miss steps or become disorganized. That is an excellent answer and very mature one. Not me. If something goes wrong or turns out badly, it's not my fault. <laughs> That's a tough one. Be honest. Uh, I, I'm a really big believer in accountability, so I would never say that was me. <laughs> not me. Okay, next question. I've gotten into legal or criminal trouble as an adult, not just a speeding ticket or a parking ticket. Are you a social deviant is what it's trying to ask. I have not gotten in trouble with the law. Definitely not me. I am easily the best at what I do. Bar none. Nobody could ever take my place. <laughs> That's kind of a loaded question. That, that is a loaded question. Um, I mean, having self-confidence is great, but also being being humbled is... I mean, I, I could not answer yes to that because I'm... It's fundamentally I'm at, against your principles. Well, I'm at the beach interning from from someone who, who has more experience than me, so... But he I'm, couldn't take your place. He doesn't <laughs> have your experiences. He has his own, and they're different, but he couldn't take your place. That's true, but combining experiences is where you become better because when you start to have the mentality that I am better than you, you start to turn off what you could possibly learn from other people. I love that. Definitely not me. Humility is so powerful. It is powerful. It's like one of the, like, especially when you come across somebody who's literally just a badass and they're still humble and they're just like, I'm just doing my thing. Mm -hmm. It's very impressive. Okay. I do whatever I feel like doing and I don't care what others think or even if it's illegal. This, that's poorly worded. That's a bad question, but I'll allow it. That is not me. No. Not me. Every person for themselves. I don't see the point in feeling sorry for other people, and I have no desire to help them. That's not me. I've gotten into legal. Uh, I've gotten into legal or criminal trouble when I was a teenager. They already asked that one. That's a double. They're doing a double to see if you're paying attention. Well, the, the first one was as an adult. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're good here. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. As as a minor, I did not. No, I did not get in trouble. I I would definitely say some of the speeds I had drove in my old car. If I had gotten pulled over, I would have gotten in big trouble. But other than that, no. Okay. But it actually says not just a speeding ticket, so I think we're good. Yeah, but... And you didn't even get caught. That is true. So you're good anyway. Yeah. I have no problem or concern in lying in order to get what I want. That is not true, yeah. Not true. Live in the moment is what I say. The future will take care of itself, and learning from your past is pointless. What a dumb fuck thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to say that. Not me. I'm just going to answer for you. Yeah. I, I never feel remorse, shame, or guilt about something I've said or done. That is Do you ever not, feel guilt? I have felt guilt, for sure. Yeah. I think that if I do something and I feel like it might inflict on a moral value, I feel, I feel pretty guilty for that. And I try to reflect on it and on why, why why I felt guilty in association to the action and then try not to repeat that action because I don't, I don't like that feeling. Or I try to root the emotional response to that feeling and try to think if that emotional response was correct, if that makes sense. So That makes complete sense. Yeah. That is like a step-by-step -step cognitive behavioral therapy session. Yeah. That, that's excellent. All right, last question. I don't see the point in taking responsibilities of any kind. They just weigh you down. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, not me either. No. Not me. Mm -mm. If you had to guess and uh, come up with what you think this test was measuring, what, what do you think it was trying to determine? It's whether or not you have a certain psychological profile. Um, maybe the, the – uh, so it's all, it was all within myself. 
uh, control over my actions or self accountability? That's part of it. Um, it's the well. First of all, the good news: you are not a psychopath. Oh, okay. It's a psychopath test. Okay. It's a psychopath test, and you passed with flying colors, actually. And not only that, I learned some stuff about you, which one of them being, you have had some education in psychology. Have you had had you had therapy, or did you go to school and, and learn that stuff, or did you just self teach? Um. So I took a psych class last last semester. It was pretty interesting. Um, That's not psych 101 stuff, though. A lot of that was like personal accountability, like self self regulation stuff. That's like more more advanced, deeper deeper content. Yeah. So re- reading some books has helped me a lot, and experimenting within those books. Um, n- not only that, being being around people who who allow me and force me to grow. So Rob, Rob and Katie have been huge in terms of putting me in a position where I'm forced to take responsibility for what I do and has kind of guided me to, to learn how my actions affect others around me and myself and how I'm viewed. So that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. They're good people. Self-reflection. Big big fan of those Cunninghams. Yeah, me too. Self-reflection has been, uh, been, been a game changer for me. I've been thinking about it for the last while and thinking about the pros and cons of it. And I, and I don't think, I couldn't really find too many cons, I, if if any, that are actually defined as cons in my mind of journaling. I think. Oh hell yeah! I think journaling every every day, other than the time commitment to it, yeah, that might become a little annoying, tedious. You can do it for five minutes, though, exactly, and just do short journal entries, and they don't even have to be good. Like if you accept that process, that part of the process where you're like, I might hate this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's when you get the real benefits. Yeah, exactly. So. I, I've been thinking about what I actually did when I was training back home is I had a I had a journal of things I did that I liked to, to, that like worked well when I was training people and and I'd also write things that didn't work well and kind of miscellaneous things that I learned along the way and every once in a while I'd go back and reread it and be like dang like it's a good thing I stopped doing that or oh I I, I kind of feel like I've done that before again I need to I need to revisit that and, and try to because it's all about not making the same mistake over and over again right try not to make the same mistake again so and wh- one really cool thing about training is I've learned how people emotionally respond to interactions w- within people and the context of what's going on around them so if I'm stressed if I'm if I'm anxious and I'm moving really fast and trying to to put weights on really fast or get people organized really fast and I'm kind of jittery or I'm moving really fast, it makes other people stress. But if I plan ahead and plan accordingly and and get things set up to where I don't need to move really fast or I'm not running or, you know, acting as if I, I'm trying to get to, to the back of the kitchen to grab, grab your food because we couldn't get the food to you out on time. T- kind of like that idea where I'm organized and it's well put and well thought out to where it's just casually flowing into the next thing. Makes people feel comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And they're already uncomfortable. I mean, that's that's what exercise is. Yeah, that's right? the whole point. Yeah, so it's that's a big big part of it is I need to, to continue to learn and gauge how I my expressions are going to affect other people and my voice because sometimes I can get really loud and that that definitely has a light switch for some people that just turns them off. I struggle with vocal control of, with my volume. Like I don't know how loud I'm talking all the time, or I do, but I have a hard time hitting that perfect volume where I feel like if if I try to go any louder, it's going to go into my yelling voice, and if I go any quieter, I mean, nobody can hear me. But like if I'm in a restaurant, 
I feel I nobody can ever hear what I'm saying because I don't want everyone in the restaurant to hear what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? That drives me crazy. I it's hard to communicate in areas like that. But um, I my question was actually, is that something they teach in your training, or is that something you kind of came up with on your own? The, just the ability to kind of sense the the energy in the room and kind of set the tone for a calm environment where you, where some actual progress can be made, work can be accomplished. Did you come up with that, or did somebody teach you that? Um, so you said, did they teach me that as in like the certification process? Like as school? a personal trainer, damn, popping those peas. I'm sorry about that. Um, did you learn that as a personal trainer or did you come up with that from your own experiences in life? Just knowing that just learn to experience it when you set a, a tone in the room, people pick up on it. Uh, definitely not through training pro, like not going and getting my certification, my certifications to train. Um, I would say that growing up, I was really, really extroverted. Obviously, I still am pretty extroverted, but slowly working on becoming a better listener, which is going to move you towards a little more of an introvert because sometimes I, I find it a little fun to just sit back in the room and watch people watch and watch how people respond to each other. But no, that's not something that I learned um, through training or like th through training as in certification process. I have learned a lot about it through the experience of training, but it's not something that someone's deliberately not something that a book has deliberately said to do yeah no i've so do you when you go to into a training session do you think of that as part of your protocol or is this something that you carry with you into regular life and where you're like you're going to meet somebody i don't know you're going to the bank or you're going to meet somebody to talk about um, being a possible new roommate you know like all these interactions with people that could be kind of tense do you think about that in those interactions i'm 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 Beginning to more, yeah. One thing that can be hard for me as a person is to draw the line between being professional. So at work, I'm very professional, and I'm not. There's obviously a, a you're going to act differently in your professional life and then in your casual life, and that's one thing that's hard for me. Is as I'm young, I'm very young still, and it's hard for me to to kind of hop lines. It's it's, it's so really hard, hard too, yeah. Man. So I'm trying to find a balance of, okay, do, do, I, do I treat someone like this when I'm not in the gym, tra tra training them, you know? So it, it's like the idea. Is, so I, I think that comes more into the aspect of personal training, of just being myself, but understanding that professionalism can, can be intertwined with who I am as a person. So just being more, to me, the, the idea of that is just being more mature. So rather than worrying about, bringing bad communication strategies and bad social habits into your professional life you're talking about bringing more of that maturity and awareness into your personal life yeah like so you don't have to worry about the bleed over from identity to identity because it's positive yes so i'm trying to become more mature for for an overall basis of when i'm not even in the gym so you don't have to fake it so it's, that's just who you are exactly so yeah. it's not like a it's really hard to change habits because i i mean when i was younger i would just I I haven't, you know, it, it's hard because you, when you're with friends or this and that, you might just say silly things. You're like, then you say that and you're like, you're sitting there like, shit, why did I just say that? Like that could be, if I, if I really sit down and, and I'm with a group of people and one person might find offense to that, but I have to respect that and understand that what I said can be deemed as disrespectful to a lot of people. And it's like the idea of not, yeah, okay, so I'm not going to, 
I'm not going to try to worry about what other people are thinking about me constantly because I should be me. It'll but, drive you crazy. Yeah, but then there's also like that's where that's where you have to come up with your own boundaries as a human being. You know what the trick is? Love people. Yeah. Just act in genuine love for mm -hmm. people. Just be that guy. And then when you say that thing that does offend one or two people in the room, you genuinely feel bad about it. And you're yeah. like, fuck, that was not my intention. I, and, and if they are able to bring it to your attention without triggering you into feeling defensive or attacked, that can easily be resolved. Then you can just be like, oh, well, actually, I was making a joke about blah, blah, blah. I wasn't. I had no idea that you, you know, lost your leg at that brothel. And, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. they found it. I agree anyway. for sure. So when I, that's, I've had very few instances where I've made a joke and someone's been upset. I've had a few, and it sucks. It, it does suck. really sucks. Yeah, but but then you explain it to them, and then me as me sometimes as sometimes you're just wrong. Sometimes sure. you're just wrong, and it's just like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. That's my bad. Sorry, guys. Yeah, like I had an incident with an incident where that had happened, and I apologized, and the person. Didn't really set my apology, so then yeah, I just stings. well, it's just like okay, like then that's where you have to understand, like I am me, so like everyone, everyone's going to have an instance where someone doesn't like them or someone really likes them, you know, no matter what you're doing. So then you just kind of carry, carry and move on. So being being comfortable with the uncomfortable conversations is huge. Being able to communicate and saying I don't like it when you do that is is really big. So that's that's one thing that I'm trying to. So when I was saying I'm trying to bring more of my professional life into the real world, it's stuff like that. The uncomfortable conversations, because as a trainer, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And that's one thing that's really hard for me to have in the real world is conversations where I'm saying I, good communication is how I is how I actually. View how, it. how do you handle that? Like having to tell people like you need to change your diet or you are you just point blank matter of fact about it or do you try to soften the blow do you do give them the, the old shit sandwich what do you, what's your strategy i i do try to soften the blow because i think d d depending on the exact situation but i will i will do you know the shit sandwich i don't know what a shit sandwich is okay no. oh the shit sandwich is when you have to deliver a piece of shitty news uh you sandwich it with two good things like diane your calves are really popping today, but also you're dropping your ass on those squats. You're getting a lot of butt wink, but also you're keeping your chest up as best possible. So that's awesome. Keep up the good work. You slip that criticism in the middle. So it sounds like overall, that's a paragraph full of glowing compliments about Diane. But all you really wanted to say was, come on, lengthen those hamstrings. Quit doing that butt wink. I do not do that. No. I'm a terrible butt winker. No, I, well, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't soften the sandwich in that way. But do you butt wink? No, no. I, I try not to butt wink. I, I definitely have before, but... Google it, guys. It's not what you think it is. <laughs> but no, I, I don't try to soften the sandwich because I've, I'm trying to get better at limiting the amount of words I use. So if, I, if I'm stating a bunch of other things and then stating the one thing, people... Too much noise. Too much noise. So people might have emotional responses to all those other things I said. And the light can be turned off to, to what I'm trying to turn the light on for trying to. Oh yeah. The yeah. positive emotions from the compliments are going to overshadow and distract from the criticism or I guess the critique is a better word because mm -hmm. it's probably not criticism. It's guidance. Yeah, it's it, exactly some, on a path. So some, some people might view it as criticism. I personally have not had an in incident where the person I'm training and I have a discrepancy on something that they're doing. Like you don't like their outfit. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if, if I didn't like someone's outfit, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything unless it's obviously like just hideous. <laughs> just come in. Uh, excuse me, can you change before we have this session? I don't want anybody to see us. Together. No, yeah, I, I can't do this today. Um, I hate brown. You're wearing brown, so the UPS guy's just like, I'm on my lunch break. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really interesting though training here compared to training back at school because. You know the the clientele here is a little different. the 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 setup in terms of sessions is, is different. Yeah. Are you working for the university or are you working for a private gym? I'm working. So the UREC Center is through the university, so it, it's 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 for the university, which is kind of it's kind of an interesting deal because you can only That's work good for students. It's really good for students, and it's really Except good. It pays shitty, I bet, huh? It's not shitty, but it's not. Um, I had a student student work job and it sucked. The pay sucked, but the job was cool. Yeah, it's a really good experience. Yeah, but it, I mean, to ho- to get into personal training, I would say it's a great opportunity because I'm getting to work with a multitude of clients. I'm I'm engaging with a lot of different people and I'm around a lot of different people, so I can gauge how I can under I can I can gain more in emotional intelligence. And the hard thing that's the hard thing to understand about emotional intelligence is understanding how other people respond to certain things, not trying to change who you are in accordance to how they respond. Yeah, not trying to be codependent. Yeah, not codependent. Exactly. So that's a great word to use. I don't have codependency on like my clientele. So if my client comes in and is rude to me, I'm not going. To, I'm not. My emotions are not bothered by that. I just train them. Yeah. It's so much easier to do that at work than anywhere else because, you know, it's like a set amount of time. You're you're doing it you're for a set purpose. Like, I like what you said about not trying to distract with extra words. Like, you're just like, you know what the goal of being there is and you're just going to go in there and do your work and, and get out. Like, it's and that's not to say you can't establish relationships or like be close with your clients because I'm sure you are. How could you not be? It's a very intimate relationship. But it's still it's uh it's one that has set parameters. So it's like yeah, I like that philosophy of just like being able to separate it out from your regular life, so you're not emotionally attached to it. Yeah, that's that was probably one of the harder things for me in the beginning is um is is not thinking about training like non. I I would say I think about the realm of fitness and movement. Almost, almost uh, nonstop. As weird, as weird as that sounds, in your own body, or just like the principles and philosophies and all that. Just, just everything about it. Principles and philosophies. Um, even, even my own workouts, other people's workouts. Just constantly trying to think out outside the box, w- within the box. So, like, because you have different parts of your body that are affected within exercise that aren't necessarily direct. So let's let's just say if 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 I'm squatting right and 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 my the butt wink happens a, a really big part of that is is the the lower back essentially being connected to the hip right so so you have parts of the body that move in a, in, in response to others so so think of like the the rhomboids in your back and, and the musculature there so you have, those are the ones that like pull your arms yeah together in the back right yeah, so your scapula retractors right so pulling my shoulders back. So you have you have muscles that are, that move there. Well, you have fascia that covers muscle. And a book that Rob had gave me to read, I only got about fifty pages in, and I was like, "This this book's too much for me right now." Like, I I understand this book's too hard, so I, I set it down, and I'm gonna come back to Save it. Save it for later. Save it for later. Yeah, until until I can have a better understanding on movement and stuff. But it, it helped me understand movement because different parts of the body 
have affect different other areas of the body, right? So a really a really simple way that I, I show people is if you if you have your arm hanging by your side and you put your hand like under your your chest on the same side of the arm that you're gonna raise, so you you, you can't feel your the the rib cage, the musculature move in your rib cage right here when before your arm goes above 90. But if you raise it above 90, you feel it pull on that. The lat? Uh, go right here on the rib cage, so on the serratus, yeah. I'll go on the side that actually works. There you go. When you raise it, side. you can feel it pulling the skin and the fascia surrounding the musculature. So it's going to affect other areas. The, I love learning about that stuff. Like the just the different kinetic chains, like working among, like between the kinetic chains. Yeah, so like there's a, a piece of fascial connection called your, your uh, I think it's called your superficial back line. And it's from like the, oh, the spiral line. Is uh, that another name for it? Maybe I, I'm like, not too sure. Explains me. I think I know what you're talking about. It's it's basically from the the occipital protuberance. So right here, that bump on your scal your skull down to the to the underside of your foot. So it's like a long fascial lining of connection from the your head down to your feet, and how it they can all they. It's it's one long connection of fascia. So if one area gets tight or one area gets lengthened, it has the opportunity to affect the other areas of your body. And so and that's keeping your body like upright, basically, right? And I mean, or it's helping with the muscles because it's keeping them all um, in communication, right, with your nervous system. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the fascia is communicative, uh, communicative because it's it has nerves in it. But the nerves are what is communicative, right? So not the fascia itself. Oh, gotcha. Does gotcha. that make sense? So the fascia, yeah, yeah. it's like fat, right, or protein? Um, it's tissue. I I'm not exactly sure what makes up fascia, to be honest. But I just know it's tissue, and that's that's what's important to me. It, what's really interesting about tissues and be trying to be super direct about it is that you can literally take a ligament and place it. So you can take like for my for my uh, ACL graft, right? They took hamstring and placed it on top of my. A they placed it with my ACL, so a ligament in my anterior crucial ligament. And guess what my hamstring became? The muscle from your hamstring became a ligament. I believe that they took the muscle from my hamstring. That's amazing. Yeah, that makes sense though, because if you look at like I went and saw the bodies exhibit. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen that? No. It's okay. So it's real human bodies that they've they've been desiccated and dissected. So they dry them out and open them up or they probably open them up and then dry them out and they're on display they inject they like they replace all of the biological tissue with plastic um so it's the real it's basically like these exact replicas it is bodies really though i don't know how they do it anymore i knew after i went and saw it but um it's cr kind of fucking creepy to be honest there's like they put them in these weird positions and stuff i didn't i didn't love that it, it made it kind of spooked me to be honest but what i did take away from it was that muscles just transition into ligaments yes they don't there's like there's no line or anything it's not different tissue they just slowly turn into it and then it, when they connect it's it, it's a different thing well it's muscle to tendon right because i mean tendon yeah, that's what i meant not tendon. ligament yeah, yeah ligament muscle to thank, tendon. You, thank yeah. you like the, it's a different thing that's connecting two bones and not yes. a muscle and a bone correct um but yeah the tendons that's what i mean it's crazy i didn't know that before i always assumed that it was like a separate thing but it's it's just really condensed the the tissue it's tissue yeah. yeah so trying to make it much more there is there is reasoning to understanding the differences in terms of like what connects what you know so like bones are connected by ligaments right ligaments are going to connect bone to bone tendons are from muscle to muscle to tendon to bone right it's that 
it's oh, the okay. it's the tissue that that attaches the bone the, the muscle to the bone so it goes from muscle to tendon to bone hmm. i have a connective tissue disorder i'm pretty sure uh, i have hypermobility my joints are very sloppy i think it's called hyperlaxicity as well, well i think that's the term is what it's called it's it's the same thing yeah really yeah but just like hypermobile joints i i mean people used to call it double jointed mm-hmm. but i'm very bendy it sucks I am not very bendy. <laughs> you're lucky. You're probably much better at lifting weights. Well, I mean... You look like you're perfect for lifting weights. It, <laughs> are you planning on getting, like, still following that path for your own self, or, like, as a competitive lifter in any way, or are you just looking to train? Uh, as of right now, I'm just training. Uh, what's really interesting about that is it. it, it <laughs> I, I'm a 0 or 100 type of guy. I'm not going to play a sport or do something if I'm not 110% in. And and right now, I know that if I was to delve into that, I would probably start to lose focus in some other things that I think are probably more, that I know are more important in my life right now than that. Building your career. Building my career is much more important than uh, trying to become a power lifter and within the moment, right? Maybe when I get home, I will, I will, continually move into my career and i'll be like you know i think i'm i'm ready to do it most people go the other direction yeah but i mean you're not most people yeah you can do it however you want but it seems like that's generally the path is that people will compete and then once they blow out their knee or their shoulder then they're just like i'll be a coach now i think i think that you could probably end up being a better coach just because that's what you have been paying attention to from the get-go when i was in crew we had some of our coaches used to be rowers and some of them used to be coxswains. They're not rowers. They're the people who, they're in charge. They tell the boat what to do. And it was a completely different experience. And there's differences from just from person to person anyway. But the way Marty coached was way different than the way Josh coached. If there's any rowers in there, you'll know who I'm talking about. But that doesn't matter. Marty was the coxswain. Josh was the rower. And he was way more about, like, just grinding it out and, like, being his, like, going 120% all the time and it was just way more intense and way more based on being strong and just like leaning into having that reserve there to be able to keep going and Marty was way more about like technique and how to you know keep calm under pressure and it seemed like he was way more into more of the mental aspect of it so it's it's just interesting how different experiences can make you into a different kind of coach do you think that you will have a specific brand that's just like from your specific experience as opposed to if you would have tried to be an athlete and then ended up with a chip on your shoulder and decide you're going to go have to be a coach. Because sometimes there's those two where the people, the coach is just like kind of a jerk and you're like, this guy doesn't like me. <laughs> but I don't see that from you. I see like you're, you're excited about your work. You seem like you're, you want to be doing that. Some people are doing it as a concession to yeah. where like, because they can't compete. That you're making the choice to be a coach instead of doing it as because you can't compete. Does that make sense? Yeah, so backtracking to... The two coaches, and that's a really interesting thing to look at, is for people to understand that are listening to this, that have a coach, this or that, my view doesn't mean I'm right. Their view does not make them right or wrong either. Everyone just does things differently. So I'm not going to say what I believe is right or what they they believe is right or vice versa, wrong and wrong. I'm just going to say how I personally view it. And that's still just right now. Yeah. Stuff's constantly changing. Exactly. Really right? quickly. So, so it might be different next week. Exactly. So how I feel is if I was to, when I first kind of started lifting, 
and I, I wanted to be about I wanted to get into bodybuilding this and that I, I still I still was kind of like oh coaching sounds cool like being a personal trainer like because I, I was going to college for kinesiology I was had an idea that I wanted to be a trainer and I was like oh if if I had more of a, a response to b- bodybuilding in terms of like I, I wanted to do it because it was I thought it was fun and cool and then I was like ooh this could really build a brand build a business so I guess I kind of did it for those two reasons and then I kind of like faded out of it was like you know I, this isn't this isn't too fun for me anymore but I can sit, there was a there was months um a few month period where I was just like continuously doing it because I was like this is going to build a brand like I'm going to I'm going to get get big and people are like oh I want him to train me because of that and then I, I kind of moved into an to an area. It's like I stopped doing that, and and now we're like reflecting on that is like I personally I think it's smarter to take the coach's perspective, uh, taking the coaching side first because now that I'm focusing on coaching, I can understand how to be personable with people. I'm 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 understanding how to communicate with people. I'm understanding how to be respectful to people, and and you're paying attention to stuff that matters when you're having opportunities to learn it. Exactly right. So it's like application. So it's it's the ability to like my internship. It's the ability to apply what I'm practicing and learning at school on top of learning how to communicate with other people. So yeah, I can learn I can learn what I learned at school, go apply it in the gym while I'm trying to become a power lifter and get really good at that. But if that's how I'm trying to build my brand, if I'm focusing on powerlifting and and so let's just say it's it's 60/40. So I'm I'm 60% into powerlifting, but ideally that's 100% of my efforts, but it takes away time from uh becoming learning from for coaching this and that and then, probably your peak time like exactly. your, your prime hours for learning of the day are going to go towards your first task yeah so my first task in the morning used to be that's funny that you say that my first task in the morning used to be lifting it used to be lifting it is no longer lifting what is it now i, I i'm i go to snap fitness and i i'm either training or i'm getting work done before training but i, I i'm gonna move to an area i'm, I'm gonna move to an area where I'm there every day before work so I can read and get stuff done before work because th- I'm most cognitive in the morning. I'm Me able, too. I'm able to think. It's, you know. To, Do you from, stay up late or are you, uh, are you a good sleeper? I sleep really good, yeah. I, I'm usually such a gift for an athlete. I'm usually, I'm usually in, in bed, if not asleep, around 9 to 9, 9.25 in that, within that window. But on weekends, I'll, I'll stay up late. I'll be more lenient with myself because – that's just how I believe oh, I, you can sleep in. Yeah. Well, not only so much sleep in, but a lot of, a lot of friends that I like to hang out with, they, they're a little more, more night owls, especially down here. So I, I like to go hang out with them a little bit and you know, yeah, you gotta be on their time. Well, yes, exactly. Right. So that's, that's actually a thing though. Like I feel like you're kind of getting at this a second ago. Discipline. There's no doubt that discipline is crucial to success and it's, it's really beneficial in many, many ways. But there can come a point where you're so disciplined that you don't allow any flexibility. And then the stress of maintaining that discipline starts to outweigh the benefits of what you get out of it. Do you? How do you mitigate that? How do you work on like keeping balance in your life? Do you have to think about that or do you kind of do it easily? So that's actually one thing that I would say currently as a human that I'm trying to – that I'm honestly struggling with, to be honest. That's one thing that I – I um I find struggle with because like I said I like to be zero all or I'm, nothing. I'm typically zero or hundred right so I'm trying to find that balance of h- how much is okay to go and do this and that you know but that's do you feel a lot of guilt if you skip a workout I've never if you're in a training program no I don't skip, you don't know I don't skip never workouts skipped. yeah I don't yeah. skip workouts <laughs> that that's one thing uh, that's why that's one thing I have a really hard time relating to people with mm-hmm. so people have asked me like what do you do if you do this I'm like 
unfortunately I wouldn't know I'm not a bitch <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a really hard con- like that's one of the th- uncomfortable conversations that I typically have with people is like yeah oh when you skip a workout because typically when someone asks asks a question there's there's a lot of reasoning that you don't know behind it and that's I try not to assume things so so I'm trying to provide an explanation without can't without demeaning what their experience of skipping the gym so their their emotional like because i could just be like i don't skip and i have the mental strength to just go through it so don't yeah yeah, i don't know yeah i don't know how to help you i don't (laughs) i don't i try not to i don't say that i don't exactly so that's but that's the truth yeah that is the truth i I usually just say i I have a really hard time explaining that to people because I, i don't know what that's like and then that typically doesn't that won't turn off people. They're not like, oh, he's such a dickhead. Like, you know what you can say guy. is is frame it as you're just lucky. Like, oh, somehow I'm always able to just get up and go, even when I'm tired. I somehow can make myself do it. I just go, like, lucky me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even though it's all hard work and like, I mean, I guess there is some luck to it. it really, how, I don't know who who uh, how people think about motivation, but I think part of it is like you're just born in that way, and some people are born lazy. Yeah. Well, I think the idea of being so this born, is, born is I, that's the wrong word because time is doesn't work that way. Yeah. But uh, some people are way more prone to be lazy than others. I agree. And and typically what I've seen is so people can be lazy within their own ways. Right. So I know people who who have, have not come from a lot and I, I know people have come from a lot. Right. So you'll find oh wow like billy joe over here who hasn't had much he works really hard with all these aspects but not these here and then you have someone who who's had a lot and it's like oh wow they work really hard here and then they're lacking this so i find that a lot of those lackings from all all spectrums is the little things i think a lot of people forget how important the little things are so that's that's where i'm really hard on myself with what kind of little things um, like making your bed. Oh, yes. You're, you must be a Jordan Peterson fan. You know, I've heard of him, but w- one thing that like that's his philosophy in a nutshell. Yeah, is like he's you know get up and make your bed, keep your room clean, stand tall with your chest out. He's very much about like following these these rules, and then your life will be good. He's okay. He's got some. He's problematic in some ways, but yeah. he's got some good stuff. Um. Anyway, go on. But one thing that I found is like when i don't make my bed right away so i i've always made the bed but when i don't make my bed right away what i found in my life is that other things i allow to not happen right away either when they should happen so like in my schedule i'll be like i'll do that later and sometimes that later the opportunity to do it later isn't there or i've literally found myself at the end of the day being oh man i am gassed i am so tired i am not going to do that task until tomorrow and then tomorrow, I have all the tasks that I already had in my planner, and sometimes I don't get to that task again. So the, being down here on the peninsula with all the extra stress of the, the building the seven-week strength and conditioning program, working hours at the front office, I mean, R- Ron and Karen helping me understand financial situations with my cars and, and other things back home and trying to put it all together and, and just be like being... I guess you could say coordination within everything I'm doing is has been hard, but I've learned so much when I reflect on all of it. And I think it's going to be really helpful for me to, in terms of bringing my work ethic to a whole nother level, because there's so many more things that I could care about that I once did not care about. Are, 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 are every, are all the, 
people your age like this? How are you guys so self-aware? I've, I've talked to a few other young people and it's so refreshing. It's like you guys know some shit that we did not know. I didn't learn this stuff until like slowly through a very painful process of trial and error throughout my entire 20s. Like a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, like being able to pull the the information you need from from multiple sources and learn and how to integrate that and make it real in your life and actually apply it. That is really fucking smart, man. It's very, very good. Like you're, it's going to lead to success, and it it almost can't fail because your strategy is is like general enough to apply across a really wide variety of of domains. So like depending on how your life progresses, you you left in some flexibility where you can carry these same philosophies with you everywhere you go, and they they'll always work. Like to be able to like, you know, communicate with people well, and to be able to pick out what is important from from a learning situation and leave what's not like those things are just crucial parts of growing up and i think that there's entire generations generation x that didn't learn any of that and never really took the time to figure it out and and it really fucked up a lot of stuff the fact that you know that it, it gives me hope hope for the future because my kids generation who knows what they're even going to be like? It's like their life was even a lot different than yours um, in terms of technology and the pandemic and all this stuff. Like things have gotten so crazy. It's it's good to see that that this information is is out there because the media wants to portray you guys. I mean, what would you call? It? Are you generation? What a generation are you? Z? Y? What are you? I'm gonna be honest, dude. I I uh, I don't I don't pay attention with all that <laughs> with all that shit because I think that labeling. So when people say. I, when people say I have anger issues, well, what does that allow you to do in, in, in presence of in, of a situation where you're going to get angry? Oh, I'm going to lash out. And then just afterwards say, hey, dude, I have anger issues. I'm sorry. You give yourself almost that little yeah. that little handicap of I have this. I so, call that making a plan to be a dick. Yeah. yeah. But do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So like in terms of generational type things, I, I don't pay attention to too much of broad categorization because i think that when you do that the human brain just works in a way it's where it wants it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't like stress it doesn't like to be dissonance like the the organism um stress is good for the organism but it hurts the organism right it doesn't feel good so when you when you have things that are typically that are considered socially acceptable that within a generation when you when you give a identification to a generation you're going to say that that's just what it is but when i when i don't listen to stuff like that i just i'm creating my own product rather than comparing to the broad sp spectrum of people and just trying to create my own product so i don't i actually don't know a lot about generational i love stuff. that answer also do you think it is just as damaging okay so I, like from what you said i'm taking that you you don't listen to it because you don't want to feel shaped by it right mm -hmm. do a lot of people myself included, feel the urge to just react in the opposite direction. Like, like, oh, you want to say millennials don't know how to work? I'm going to work myself to death. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I think that it can be just as hard. Like, I think you're probably better off not to pay attention to it at all. Because, I mean, I think that's not actually, that's a joke, but um, a lot of people really are like that. They just want to make sure that they, they buck whatever kind of societal labels have been put on them. <clears throat> and you're right. Labels, language, the way we look at the world tells stories, and it, and it and you don't have to subscribe to those stories if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, but 
they are useful in certain situations. Because, I agree. Because they let you make sense of things that are just untenable when it's too many moving parts. Something And generations are a slippery one because it's like, who's to say where the cutoffs are even? Like for millennials, it... And like I, I didn't even know I was a millennial until I was in like my mid twenties, probably, because it's just I. When I was in college, I think is the first time I ever heard that. But um, I don't even know what defines that. Is it? I think it's like you grew up. You didn't grow up completely with the internet, so I didn't get. I the first time I ever tried the internet was in fifth grade, and the first time I ever like had a had my own cell phone was ninth grade. First time I had a, I, I had one of the first iPhones in, in like two thousand eight. And that's when the, the world changed forever. But you guys came up with all that stuff. So, like, that makes your life different, like, fundamentally different. And the next generation is going to have come up with all of that stuff. And the generation of, after that will have grown up in the metaverse. And the generation after that will grow up in those pink pods of goo, like on the Matrix. And everything is different about each one of those situations. So, I, it's just like, just to be able to talk about it, you have to kind of classify people somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, I agree that it's it's better to just take things on a person to person basis. It works a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I I think that understand. So I think that's another skill is like being able to read and understand things, and then not let the understanding of those things create outcomes that maybe you don't want. Right. So yeah. you. So that's the idea of getting getting knowledge from someone else. And acting on that knowledge, you don't have to. So if I if I learned more about that. It would t- essentially, you could think of it as a mental strength to not act upon and become comfortable within the situations of how society thinks of our generation. Yeah. What are you going to do after you have all of these skills pretty much dicked and you're just going through life killing it? What are you going to think about? <laughs> Seriously, this stuff will become second nature to you. Once once this becomes just something you don't have to think, This, I'm not even joking at all. This will really happen. This will become who you are. This is You will become a person who reacts to situations using these skills. And after that, you're going to free up a lot of cognitive space. What are you going to think about? You ever think about parallel universes? You ever think about afterlife? Do I ever think about aliens? I think I think aliens are I think aliens are cool to think about. A lot of alien stuff going on these days. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I don't think that aliens are the green, odd shaped things that we we perceive them to. Actually, I don't even think that perception is really a thing anymore. I think that was more it's cartoons. That was like back in the day kind of type things. But I think a a life out there does exist what's really cool to think about is what if that life out there isn't carbon based what if, what if that life isn't isn't what if that life breaks laws that we have on this earth i think that's the case yeah i think that's almost certainly the case i mean they're probably interdimensional mm-hmm. if it, if they exist that would make the most sense to me i don't know i don't really know what i believe i think that there is so much effort into confusing us just by the cia probably the government the aliens themselves who knows i don't know how to tell what's bullshit and what's real and there's so much of it now like if you get on tiktok or youtube and just type in recent alien sightings you can watch all day long <laughs> i'm not joking i believe it i don't all uh... day long and they're all different <laughs> um and some of them are like dude that's a firework that's clearly a firework behind clouds and others are just like wait what the fuck was that uh, like a military video of, of this thing moving really fast and people talking on like the go fast video it's a it's a it's a video of an alien spacecraft but who knows who built it it could have been the russians i don't know like the world will never know hopefully we will at some point 
But most likely what will happen is war will break out and then that technology will just appear because that's why we have it. Yeah, that's a good point. Hopefully, hopefully we do know. The term the world will never know. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we find out. Yeah, we may never know, though. We may never know. But yeah. what's really interesting to think about, like you talking about those social media platforms like YouTube, TikTok. I mean, YouTube is a social, isn't so much of a social media platform. It's more of a a, a platform where people record. They, they do cool things. Like it's almost becoming like a TV show, I feel like now. People TikTok? Are, uh, no, or YouTube. YouTube. YouTube oh, is, yeah. yeah. But TikTok is dangerous. Tick, so it is, yeah. What I found within myself is when I'm, oh, like, actually, just a few days ago, I had a, I had a real deep conversation with myself on phone usage. And because back home, I did, I would go through phases where I'd be off my phone a lot. I'd be off my phone a lot. And how much more productive I am when I'm off my phone, how much more cognitive I am of my surroundings. Less stressed. Less stress. That's because, the best part. Because my brain is on boom, 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 boom. I need constant stimulation when I'm on my phone constantly. So I, I don't know how the, the brain adapts to that. But when I'm on I don't my, think it's good. I don't think so either. When I'm on my phone a lot, I find that I have a way harder time thinking um uh, thinking things through and not emotionally responding to the things that are happening around me. So if something happens, I'll just emotionally respond and that might not be the response I wanted. So because you're used to immediately responding. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's really smart. And I haven't heard it put that way before. Yeah. So I try, I'm really trying to limit my phone usage now. Do you meditate? I have you meditated before? What do you, I, I have because I had a human development class freshman year of school, but in terms of meditation, like you don't have a practice, I don't have something. I'm, I'm no, but you I think would love it. Yeah, I just based on what you have said so far in this podcast, you would absolutely love it, especially if you do a little research into like what you're trying to do, because you seem like the type of guy who likes to to have a thing to do. Like you're you're not gonna just sit there and do nothing, which is what everyone acts like meditation is. But you're not doing that. You're sitting there and doing a thing. You're trying to observe your in- internal state. Uh, which is a thing in itself, and that's all you're doing, and it's a skill that people don't have. You don't. You already have it. I. You've, we've talked about it a few times. Like just to be able to understand your motivations and your feelings as they come in. You just all you do is sit there with your eyes closed and watch thoughts and feelings come in. And I do it visually, but some, you can do it. People. Some people have it in like voices or words. Like people think different ways. I, I'm a very visual thinker, so when I'm meditating, I'm like sitting in this weird kind of like cave place and sometimes it's hot sometimes it's cold i don't really know why that's the thing but um and there i'm like at the edge of a lake and actually sometimes it's not even in a cave it's like the woods but it's still kind of it's like a darker kind of covered area and i'm really comfortable i'm like it's the perfect temperature and i'm at a really calm water source and there's a canoe that like keeps coming it like just floats over to me and that those are my thoughts and then when i have a thought i just like put it in the canoe and push it away and I just observed, I was like, oh, I'm thinking about work today. Interesting. And I set it in the canoe and I pushed it away. And then I sit there again, go back to the breath, breathing, breathing. And then I'll, you know, have a, like, oh, my back hurts. I'm having a feeling. That was a feeling in my back. Put that in the canoe, push it away. And then you just do that. And then eventually, I mean, inevitably, over and over again, your brain comes up with new things for you to do. And you notice it and you put it in the canoe and you push it away. And it's great. And then I, you, I do as little as five to 10 minutes sometimes. It's hard to do five minutes. If I set a timer for five minutes and then I get into meditation, when it goes off, I'm like, oh, I'm not, not done. Um, but 
it's also hard to do 30 minutes. Like after like 20, um, I get, I just get fidgety. I like to move. My body wants to be doing something. That's, uh, but yeah, it sounds like if you, like you're a good sleeper, you might not need to meditate as much as somebody who's not because a lot of those, I think a lot of the benefit from meditation is that it, it does some of the stuff to kind of refresh your brain like sleep does. But, okay. but it's not sleep. It's like semi-sleep. Okay. Because you're fully resting, but you're also aware. It's like waking sleep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What's um What's really interesting to me about the concept of you saying, so when you have a canoe, you're putting something in the canoe, right? So you're you're creating. So that that reminds me of something that I do in the process of creating programs, creating an outline, or trying to think deeply about something. I will write the main goal and a goal, and then draw a circle around it and then have everything everything that I think of like let's say an exercise has to move has to create that that outcome so when you're when you're thinking about the day you're putting things in that canoe and then you're thinking about things related to that is that correct I have no I have no intention with the canoe the canoe is just there in case a thought comes up that I can oh. just notice it it's really it's just a it's a vehicle uh it's just a symbol in my mind of like this has been processed. Now I can let it go. Okay. Otherwise, the reason I developed that was because I was, I meditated for years before I started doing that. And what would happen is I would have a thought like, oh shit, you were supposed to write that paper. And I, I'd be like, but I'm busy meditating right now. I can't think about this. So I'll think about it later. And I would just like set it on the back burner. And then another thought would come in and be like, oh, you never texted so-and-so back. And it's like, but right now it's meditation time. I got to just, I'll think about that later. And I would just set it there. Like, but don't forget, because if you forget, your life is going to fall apart. And um, I inevitably would forget anyway. And so it, it didn't make any difference of the outcomes. <laughs> so I just started being like, I'm going to allow myself to not have a back burner going while I'm meditating. That's the whole point is so that I can see these things come in notice how busy the traffic is like am i having a whole lot of thoughts coming in or am i having just a few every once in a while and paying attention to that internal state is really really helpful for me because sometimes i have no idea that i'm actually in kind of like a panicked state until i sit down and meditate and i'm like holy shit my heart is like trying to jump out of my chest i didn't even feel like i was stressed um and then i'll sit down and be like you know five different projects at work are coming through podcast guests that I never responded to are coming through like every thought is hitting me all at once I'm like okay so this has been bombarding me all day long and I wasn't even noticing it I was just feeling it in my body and then once I allowed myself to be still and let those thoughts come through to a conscious place where I could examine them I was able to process them realize that they're not as chaotic or as uh um crisis it's not a crisis like these are all things that are just part of everyday life. Each and every one of these problems, if I was to fast forward my life by 10 years, would I even remember them? Most likely not. So I can put it in the canoe, just push it off, and that canoe is going to land somewhere, and it'll probably flow back to me at some point. And really, at the end of the day, I just need to write shit down <laughs> so that I don't have to worry about forgetting it. But the, uh, the canoe method is very helpful for allowing yourself some grace with, uh, with the thoughts that do come through. That's genius. I like that a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... I would say that I I have never thought of it like a canoe, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna tr I might try. You can it. make it anything you want, man. Yeah. It could be a fucking bobsled. You slide it down the hill. Who knows? Whatever you like, just uh, like or a, a stack next to you or something. It. I like visualizations yeah. to process emotional things. That's interesting. What I typically do is I'll just be like, 
I'll just I'll have an internal conversation myself saying I don't need to worry about that right now worry about that later and what's interesting about that is when i was talking about the phone notifications the phone in terms of like constantly going on them so when you have a new when you have a notification that's a new stimulus coming to your coming to your thought process that's inflicting on the current thing you're doing and when you have things that inflict on the current thing you're doing i mean when do you typically forget your when do you typically fuck up when when you have when I'm tired when you have well when there's tired too much going on when there's too overloaded. much stresses exactly right you have too much stresses going on so if I if I'm cooking if I let's just say I'm cooking chicken and I have all these things I need to get together and I'm still checking my phone the odds of me forgetting one of those pieces is really high and I've noticed that at at Ron and Karen's I'll be I'll be getting food together and I'll be on my phone a little bit and then I'll forget the spatula and I'm like dude how do I how do I how do I forget a spatula when I'm going to cook chicken I'm like yeah. that is that is absolutely so brainless I, I should not be doing that and it's like something it that is brainless because your body was doing the work while your brain was doing something else exactly i was thinking about and bodies are dumb I yeah mean, they're good at moving most of them but they're they're not good about thinking like no they're good at storing emotional traumas and they're and remembering pain so like that's actually something we should talk about so um what do you know about like the way your nervous system stores injuries, like memories of injuries? So I, I sprained my ankle severely in eighth grade. I've probably tore some ligaments in there, but I didn't, I didn't get it repaired or anything. So now I just have my right ankle just has always chronically rolled. And because of that, it's always hurt. And I have had to move in kind of compensatory ways to, to be able to load it the same way I would normally and everything. So my whole body is just kind of like shifted. And uh, like I've had scoliosis from it that I don't even know if that's something you can that just comes and goes. But I don't seem to always have it. <laughs> uh, but um, when I was in elementary school, they thought I had it. Uh, but yeah, I have hip hip problems. I have jaw problems, shoulder problems. Um, and I really, truly believe that it's all coming from that original injury that has led me to have weaknesses and corresponding tightnesses on opposite sides in my kinetic chain. And so like. I'm constantly doing weird stretches. Like if if anyone who's hung out with me more than an hour, um, other than in this podcast, because I, I like have made a very distinct rule that I'm not going to get up and stretch on the floor right there while you're talking, even though I want to. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm always just trying to open up my hips or, and my shoulders because if I don't, I will turn into the tin man. Like I just lock up, like everything just gets so fucking stiff and tight that I literally cannot move well. Like it's terrible. What do you, what do you have about that? So t- your original doesn't your even original. have to be about me. I'm just saying like the, the idea of like one small injury leading to a cascade of other problems. Yeah. So the idea of the central nervous system, you were talking about the central nervous system. I don't know enough about the central nervous system to say anything in correlation to the central nervous system with inflictions on other parts of the body. But what I do know after watching people move, I've been a trainer for a, oh, just about a year now and watching people move, people, people always create compensate the not people. Yeah. People. So you're in control of your body, right? The body is a really adaptable system and we're always, us as humans are always going to find a way to compensate in where things are lacking, right? So a lot of times you'll see people who have poor mobility, they're getting down to the bottom of squat, their chest caves in, right? Um, A compensation, let's say I'm doing lunges, I have tight calves or 
an incorrect movement pattern and my heel comes my front heel comes off the ground right maybe i have really bad ankle dorsiflexion so my knee coming over my toes my calves are tight so when i'm going there my calves feel stretch and my body's like no so my so i i'm like no because i have tight calves and i lift my heel off the ground to create compensation right we're always going to find compensations so if you're if you're injured somewhere one place it, it may be a lack, uh, a lack of or a tightness of somewhere else, right? So I think, I think my sprained ankle caused my TMJ. Like I have jaw problems and I think it's caused by my sprained ankle. Also, I have hypermobility. So uh, I have loose joints and tight muscles. Mm-hmm. So everything's just like pulled out of whack. Uh, so I, I should probably just do yoga and stop wondering about this because it's, it's not helping me to wonder. Oh. Now that I talked about it, I got to do some weird stretches a little bit. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. So, that's the cool thing about the field that I'm in right now. I will never not be able to learn more. It's, yeah. I, I, there's no roof, and I think that that's one thing that I have to continually accept as a human because I'm just constantly wanting to be on go. I'm wanting to read. I'm wanting to just continue to learn. But it's like. I got to flip that switch off sometimes. What are some of the books that you were talking about that you have liked a lot that you've gained that have helped you grow? Uh, Becoming a Supple Leopard is a great book to read in terms of just understanding how to mobilize the body, how to move, how to do correct movements. That that was a really good book. Um, the the that 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 was a good book for movement. Have you read The Power of Habit? I have not. You no. probably like that one. No, it's it's. It has a lot. I mean, you might not even need to read it. You seem to know it already, but it's just about like what, how habits are established and how long it takes to get them to stick and just all the stuff, bad habits, good habits. It's a good book. It's, you'd probably enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I actually, several of the things you said, I was like, I wonder if you got that from that book. No, no. But the, the hard thing about recommending books to people is when I'm sitting here recommending or telling people about books, if they want to go read it, great. But like the Supple Leopard is a great book for uh, uh, is a, is a good book for introductory. Like they explain things pretty well. They break it down, and it it's just hard to understand something without reading prior having prior knowledge. So for me to sit here and and tell other people what to read is really hard. I'm just asking what helped you. Yeah. So Supple Leopard has been really good. Um, There's no like you can't you can't recommend a bad book like even if yeah. you read a book that sucks you still get something out of it you learn why why it sucks like you learn what the good ideas are i mean there is also people could be misled um but i don't know i read lots of stuff that i know isn't true i don't think it's bad it hasn't hurt me uh, what's really funny is like one of the one of the first books that i read was the gambetta it was by uh gambetta it was a it was a function it was a uh, athletic training type book great great book but i mean it was hard for me to understand, and I think I created int- interpretations because I was assuming things. And this was before I understood what assuming does. And, and and to me personally, I might ask questions to people, and they're like, "No shit, Calvin." I'm like, "Well, t- it, it actually sometimes it people are like, what, what the f- are you thinking?" It's just, but it's like from my point of view, it's like, people, "Well, you a lot of people aren't literal that you didn't clarify within your within your sentence." That exact thing, and if I assume that and I am wrong, I look like an absolute That's on you. jackass. Yeah. So I am just trying to get clarification before I move on. I but do a, the same thing. But a, people think you're an asshole. They're, yeah. They're like, why are you making me say this out loud? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I go through that a lot. It's it's how do you how it's like people who communicate um, 
literally are just considered rude, even though it's so much easier. It's so much easier. <laughs> Seriously, just say what's on your mind. Say what you're actually thinking and communicate the message you actually want to send. And then you don't have to worry about all that weirdness. Like a lot of people just say something that is supposed to like plant a seed in your head that grows into the message that they want to send. It's like, why take all those extra steps? Just tell me what the fuck you want. I agree, dude. I, I And as as I became so as I as I'm continuing to progress into a better communicator, I uh, I understand what you're saying completely. And, and, and you will really be able to find people who have a hard time communicating or may not be very effective communicators and be, within that context because you're constantly trying to find more and, and understand, but vice versa, right? So one, one of my biggest quality, one of my biggest communications, one of my biggest thing that, uh, that inflicts on my communication is fast responses. So my emotional response to things, sometimes I'll just say, yeah, right away. Or I'll say no, and I'll be wrong. Like earlier, I don't know if you realize earlier in this this discussion, I did it and I was like, in my head, I was literally like, fuck, Calvin, why did I do that? What did you say to you? You said, you said that uh, ligaments are connected. So bones were connected. Uh, it was a ligament. And, and, oh, and, and you corrected me right away? I, I, after, but I said yes. I, so if you go back and listen to this, I said yes to the first one. And then initially you continued to talk and I was like, fuck, I was wrong. Oh. I went back and I made sure because I was like, I can't. I, no, I, dude, I find that so refreshing as a communication style. That's like, we're trying to get the information out as, as effectively as possible, as efficiently as possible. That's that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You just do it. You correct when it needs to be corrected, and you don't worry about hurting people's feelings all the time. Communication is so slow if you worry about yeah, everyone's ego. Who gives a fuck? I know. Like, I was wrong. I don't care. I, I really don't. Even even if it's something that I am actually an expert in, if I misspeak, if I misspeak and say the wrong thing every once in a while, I don't care. I will correct myself before it becomes a problem. Like if, if you don't, if you're not able to do that and you just want to stand by that wrong shit you said because it makes you look like you know what you're talking about, what are you doing? That's a waste, that's a waste of energy. Who, who, who are you trying to impress? Doesn't make sense to me. Like just the, the truth is what matters the most. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I try to be really thoughtful before I speak. It's, I'm, I'm very, obviously I'm 21 years old, dude. So it's like, I, I, this is a, this is a growing game for me. I didn't really, this process was not a process I had before this summer. Before I came down here, before I was not forced, before I was put in the position to constantly evaluate how I spoke and how I acted around other people, I wasn't very thoughtful on that at all. So I would just respond to people right away and I would just talk my ear off and just say randomness. And I'm like, why? Because you're trying to fill the silence. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to. You don't have to. I do the same thing. Or I just walk away. I, I have a hard time. I, I kind of went through that same process where I was just like, I feel obligated to fill this silence and I don't know what they want to hear. So I'll just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad at, at interacting with people in uh, settings of like ambiguity where I'm not sure what the social situation is supposed to be because it's, I'm really flowy. I like loosey goosey about shit. I don't care. Whatever. Like if just because everyone has always done it a certain way for a hundred years up until today. If I'm coming into this fresh and I don't know that history, I do not care if people, if I have found a way to do something that is working well, I do not care if no one else has done it that way. Or if it makes me look weird, I want to do it this way. It seems to be working. You know what I mean? Like, and not everyone's like that. 
they they will, like you come into a place and you, there's like a set of rules and you just need to follow the rules and it's stressful it's fucking boring and it's oppressive i don't like it yeah so what's interesting about a situation like that is is if you're in a situation where someone is trying to make you do something that you don't want to do and you find so unless unless there's obvious performance results that their way is better i mean like education it's kind of, it's kind of hard to argue but then then i would say so i understand that you're wanting me to do this I, i'll give you an example to make it a little more tangible um let's see if i can think of a good one playing at the playground so i take my kids to the playground okay playgrounds are fun they're full of toys Toys that are perfectly reasonable, adult-sized toys. So I look around. None of the other dads are playing on the toys. I was like, what are these lame-ass dads doing? Like, I'm going to play on the toys. I'm going to get on the fucking pull-up bar. I'm going to hang. I'm going to stretch out my back. I'm going to do some scapular pull-ups. Like, people look at me like I'm nuts. And I'm just like, my daughter's swinging on the swing, and I'm hanging on the bar. Um, and it used to annoy the shit out of me. It's like, stop fucking looking at me. I'm just trying to stretch. Um, and now I'm just like, haha, your, your life is probably really boring. Um, cause they look, they look like irritated. Um, maybe they think I'm a pedophile though. I didn't think about that. No, I think I know. I, I don't want to say, I think I know what it is, but I think, I think I have an idea. What? Insecurities. Cause they wish they could hang on the, on the swing set. No. But then they'd be worried people think they were they were pedophiles. Maybe they're insecure about what other people would think about them if they wouldn't acted that way. Well, yeah. I think that's probably part of it. But don't they realize if they would just do it anyway, there would be no dickheads left to point fingers? If everyone just did what they want and not worry about what everyone else is doing, then we'd all just be doing what we wanted. I don't spend any time pointing and saying, they shouldn't be doing that. That looks, that's problematic. I don't think they should do that. That guy, man, man. who gives a fuck? I, I agree. That's one thing that I, as a person, uh, if you're around me a lot, you'll notice that I never, I, the only time I really direct people on what to do is when I'm training them. I, outside of training sessions, I, I don't want to say never, but rarely, rarely ever will I say, do this, or oh, please, I don't say, I say, please do this. Like, I don't really ask for for i don't ask people to do anything for me i don't either i, I just I, i'm very independent i'm not going to if you want to do it like I, okay like whatever but i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm not, I'm not going to connect my happiness to it yeah i'm not going to tell you how to act i'm not going to like if you're doing something and it's very minutely bothering me and i'm not around you for very all the time or whatever i'm just going to blow it off my shoulder it does not bother me at all like same thing with People being disrespectful to me, I don't have emotional responses to that very often. Like, what if it's somebody who you respect? See, th th that's th that stings. Th that that does sting to me. Yeah. So uh, I don't, uh, I don't have a high respect for. Um, I, I when I say high respect, I mean people I, I actually just like look up to. So I don't, I don't, I don't have like a crazy amount of people that I look up to. I have a lot of people that I respect. So you seem I, like you respect everybody. I, I, do, I do. I have I have respect for everybody, but I don't uh, look at everyone as a way. I, I guess I guess this could come back to the idea of steaming, right? So if most people, so let's just say Billy from the street who I respect said, "Fuck you, Calvin. I hate you. You're stupid." I'd be like, "Okay." You know, it's not true. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like, "Okay," but if someone, I haven't had a situation where someone. Well, that's not true. I recently if I, Rob said the exact same thing. Yeah, that, that would, would hurt. That would probably hurt my feelings. That would hurt. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's a, that's a little different, right? So to me that's different, but the the thing with that is I know that he's being honest to me and I know I would know that 
I don't think he he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, he would not be disrespectful to me like that. Um, what do you think he did for a living before he had this gym? Uh, he, he him and Katie live live they moved from here. Yeah, he, he trained before he came here. Probably CIA. <laughs> no, he, he was a trainer. Training in the CIA. <laughs> Those CIA guys are ripped. Have you not seen them? No. Do you know Do you know Rabwa? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's just a joke, but I he, he seriously is like a. He's mysterious. He like he's not he hasn't been here forever. So He's almost stoic. He's very stoic. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh, he's such a good guy. I really like Rob he's a lot. He's one of the, he's actually He's been so impactful in this community. He's very very it's, cool. And it gets very overshadowed, I feel like. It, I don't I don't think the, I think people respect it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Well, I guess that I'm not here much. I think that I just think really highly of that. So, I mean You probably only see him in the gym. That, yeah, where people treat him like a trainer or something, but he's a very, very big community member. Like he's very involved in youth sports. They contribute to like every charity thing. They're very involved. Yeah, Rob and Katie are it's two a perfect of the, the best people I've. They what they've done, what they've done to help guide me. Because whenever I say they help guide me, they say you do it. Like they've always told me I'm doing it. I I agree and a hundred percent. You couldn't see that. you couldn't see Katie in a CIA, huh? <laughs> I cannot see picture Katie. it. <laughs> Oh, they've got you fooled, man. They've got you fooled. <laughs> yeah, they're just setting me up. No, they're they're cool, dude. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah. They're very cool. But I'm saying they're they're definitely uh, intelligence. Yeah, they, well, they 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 force growth from growth from each other, right? So they're they're constantly they're a power couple. Yeah, so that's like the definition of a power. couple. That is the definition of a yeah. They they're constantly forcing growth from each other, and what's cool and supporting each other through it. Exactly, I agree. And, and, from and I mean, at least it, look, it appears so. They've taken me under their wing and kind of kind of helped done this done the same thing for me. A book that Rob told me to read, which I started back home. I haven't finished it. It's called Multiplier's Effect, and it's the idea of t um, learning how. T so, like one of the biggest uh, things from it that I that I took as a person is every time I engage in a conversation with someone, I have the ability to learn because everyone's smart in their own ways. Everyone knows something that I don't know, so I don't call people stupid anymore because I used to. But I know that every single person is smart. I used to even, quite honestly, like I've been like. I used to act without thinking, so I, I would personally be called stupid a lot, and like that's because I would act without thinking. It's not because I'm actually stupid. It's just that I would act- You're uninhibited. Yeah, I would act, I would have emotional actions. I, my, my emotions would correlate to actions all the time. Not even just that. Like A lot of people get called dumb just because they say the, the thoughts that most people let go. Like We don't choose our thoughts. Our thoughts just pop into our head. Some people just say those thoughts and other people are that whether it's because they've been abused in the past by people who don't have tolerance for fun thinking or whatever. But some people just don't do that. They wait until their thought is fully formed, completely like bulletproof before they let it come out of their mouth. And those people are considered smarter. And, and that's not necessarily the case. It just means that they have a, a, they're better at holding their tongue. Oh, you're saying so some people will people will confuse um Dis disinhibition, which is just like the ability to to be yourself and express your thoughts, they'll confuse that for low intelligence because you say dumb shit occasionally. Because we all have dumb thoughts, we just don't all say them. Does, does that make sense? <laughs> oh, that makes sense because I was the person that would say every dumb thought that came to my mind, and people, my friends would. That's what I'm. That that's kind of one thing I was talking about between being professional and not. Yeah. When I'm with my like, not so much trying to sculpt who I am, but more of like not saying the dumb shit that I might just say randomly with my buddies. But don't you like it when that guy's around? <laughs> like, if, <laughs> like you, get, you gotta be professional, but 
I love it when that unprofessional person is around where they do say the thing that everyone is like kind of thinking. And I, I, I think those people are crucial, but they never last long. They get fired. Exactly. So that's where you have to learn. Like th- that's where I, that's what I was saying with maturity to me in my, t- to my, to my personal well-being, like who I am as a person, I think being more mature, th- th- moving to a more mature space. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. So n- now, like when I'm with my buddies, like they've all noticed that I don't just say random d- d- dumb shit anymore. Like Bubba the other day was like, he literally was like, fuck Calvin. I really like what college turned you into. He said, this is funny. Cause we were like all hanging around the, like the fire. And I was like, I don't know. I was just hanging out with it's them. It's the same as it always was, huh? Yeah. But I just, it, you just know more shit. I'm just changed. I'm just, well, I mean, nothing is permanent except change. Right. So yeah. no, no matter what happens, things are going to change. So dynamic system. Yeah. So he, it was, it was just funny. And I remember those years being particularly like interesting. The years like, in college and then shortly after where everyone's adult life isn't quite established yet, but some of them are. Like some people, I'm sure, already have kids and you're out of your graduating class and others are probably still just like just getting their feet wet in college and others are done. Like, you know what I mean? There's a huge variation. So and that lasts it through your 20s. Like by the time you're 30, you, you start realizing like, oh, a few of these people are are still just kind of doing the same thing. And others are like living drastically different lives. And and that's fine. Anyone can do what they want to do. But I, I just remember the process of learning that about people and like s- seeing if it meets your expectations is really interesting. That's really cool. Thank you for telling me that because that's that's actually a really good thing to think about. So from high school, you kind of had that first gap of – so you, you, the first gap is whether or not I'm staying here or I'm going to college. That's the, that's the first deal breaker, right? I'm not saying one decision is better than the other. I'm just saying – that's that was two that of the breaks, was one right? You make. And then and then from there it was what are you going to study, right? So what are you doing here? And then how are you going to act while you're at college, right? And then how are you going to act when you stay at the stay here or move somewhere else? Are you are you pushing forth for a better career? Are you thinking about the the things that have been accumulating over time? Because having the ability to think back for a prolonged period of time is really important. Yes, it is. I'm that person where. So actually, what's interesting where you're talking about psychological things from the past is because you grew up right at the road from me, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, let's give them some clarification. Yeah. So the Long Beach Peninsula, it's a long, it's basically a long 30 mile sand spit just at the mouth of the Columbia River. So it's just a long, skinny peninsula and it's two miles wide at the widest and it's 30 miles long. The whole thing has a big beach and it's it's a, basically a tourist attraction that was established in the late 1800s as like a getaway for people from Portland. And it's just developed into several little towns that are all spread along this long, skinny peninsula. There's like eight different towns. It goes like Surfside, Oysterville, Nakata, Ocean Park, Clipson, Long Beach, Seaview, Ilwaco, Baker's Bay, Chinook. And each one of those little towns has its own little vibe. And each one of those areas has like its own kind of, I wouldn't say subculture just because it's so small. The whole, the entire peninsula has like, now it's, I think it's like 15,000 maybe a little more. And back then when I grew up, it was like 10,000 people. So it was a small population. And three quarters of the way down was where I grew up, which is, it was a pretty wooded section of the of the peninsula. And it, so I, I felt like I was growing up in the woods, even though now it doesn't seem like the woods because all the trees blew down in 2008 or 2007. Uh, but yeah, so the street that we grew up on is is, most of it's three quarters of the way down the peninsula and the further down you get 
the least the less people want to live there because it's 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 there's no stores down there really there's nothing to do it's it gets dark really early in the winter so it's like as a kid it's it's really hard to grow up on the north peninsula so the kids that do grow up there kind of develop a certain je ne sais quoi and it's really cool um it's the the op thing i've always you recognize it in people and it's just like it's I don't know, it's a badge of honor. It's I'm, a hard place to grow up. I'm gonna interrupt you here. Go yeah. for it. I think that the the, the correct. I, I agree that that's all correct. But I mean, if you want to think about it in terms of social economics, like typically it's just if you live in Ocean Park, you're you're you're, you're poor unless you like, unless you own a business. Yeah, right. And then it just kind of like casually moves up in scale. Like Long Beach, you can still be poor, but typically there's less poor, right? And then a Waco yeah. is like. Not saying that everyone that lives in Waco is not poor, like is rich. I'm sure they've got a few poor people. It, exactly, but I'm just saying that's kind of how it, if you if there's you, no Sahali Hill in Ocean Park. If you if you go from third like a, a third point of view, like a third person point of view, and just look at it from the, that that's just that's just how it is, and it's yep. like you don't need like. You don't, exactly you, don't, you don't need to be offense. You don't need offense to it, but yeah. that's that's just what it is, right? Yeah. So if we, if we take all of and that's generalities, out, completely, yeah. completely general, because yeah. there is that millionaire who lives at Ledbetter, so he's a he's an outlier. Yeah, right. So but, taking emotions out of it and just speaking about what it is, that's how it is. So growing up in Ocean Park is just you the just poor area. It is the poor area. So typically, all like I think my basketball on our basketball team, my graduating my graduating our uh, our senior class, one person lived with mo- had both mom and dad. One or two people had both mom and dad together out of like the five or six. I mean, a lot it, of poverty. Yeah, a lot of uh, one parent households, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so we grew up on two twenty first. This road was like, it's it's really weird. Have you? I mean, you just when? How long since you've lived there? Year uh, two or three years. Yeah. Okay, so it probably looks similar now to the way it did when you when you. I drove up and down it. Yeah. It's weird, huh? Yeah. To leave there and now you're in the world and just like the way you used to picture the world. Um, from there is it's weird to compare to what it is now yeah it's such a small area but I thought it was everything <laughs> yeah I know it's yeah it's a weird I don't know I have very mixed memories about that place because like I'm poverty childhood is kind of shitty sometimes but um, it's also there's a lot of beauty in back in my memory bank there's a lot of good times there too um, what let's see oh do you still talk to Amanda Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are in touch. Yeah, not very often, but we talk. Yes. How was she up to? She 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 lives in Yakima. She yeah she had a daughter. So that's awesome. She's doing good. But that's you grew up with her too, right? Yeah. So Calvin's. You guys are you aunt? Aunt. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, Calvin's aunt was really one of my very best friends uh, for a long time. We uh, yeah we grew up on the same road. And her older brother Charlie. Charlie was like my role model. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> um, did you know Charlie well? Like, how old were you when he passed? I don't remember, dude. I, yeah, I pretty little. Yeah, I feel like I was probably like I don't even want to say, I, I, dude. But I could probably figure it out. You, were I feel like I was like eight. Okay, seven. Yeah, and you guys probably didn't even have a lot of contact. Those were the real rough years of his life, dude. The last memory I have of Charlie, straight. Is is uh, you know how we used to sell Christmas trees? Uh huh. So you, those those um. Uh, Oh, the poles that we'd put all like we'd put the line around so we could hang the tr- Christmas trees up. He put me on one of those because Bill would dig, dig them to the ground and put them up. He put me on top of one of those and like was making fun of me because I wouldn't want to. Ju- I couldn't get down. And I was pretty. I was pretty young. Yeah. And 
oh maybe i had to have been younger than that but anyways he he sent me up there and i don't want to jump down and, and I, so i was like sitting there like yelling and i was like charlie get me out whatever and he came up to to get help get me down and i kicked him right in the balls like <laughs> that, and then like as hard as i could and I, that's like the last memory i have and I, I apologized to him i was like i had to say sorry i'm pretty sure but yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah well, got what he had coming to him yeah for sure but God, people fuck with little kids deserve to get kicked in the balls <laughs> why well, little kids are awesome they're the best yeah and they're innocent like that that's something that i i that's a pretty um easy one for me fuck fuck people who abuse kids <laughs> yes for real um but yeah anyway the uh, charlie i have lots of good charlie stories he's an interesting guy i really um like he was i've never known anyone else like him he's yeah. very very unique his, I think his life was pretty hard. I mean, stories. So when you're talking about stories from childhood, I, I don't – people – I feel like people – I don't talk to people a lot about my childhood be, just because I've never I've never felt the need to. Um, like I just really have never felt the need to nor, because I feel as if if I start talking about my childhood to most people, they're going to interpret it as a situation where I'm trying to make them feel bad for me even though that's not how I interpret it as a human. Like, that's not what I mean by it at all. So most of the time, I don't even try to engage in those conversations with people. Believe me, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, I Okay, I'm going to share this with you. I'm having, a, like, I'm 33, and I have spent the last year just, like, coming to terms with my childhood and actually processing it for what it was and realizing, like, shit, I, like... I, I I didn't really want to talk about this. I actually worried when you're coming in here. I was like, I don't. I was hard. You tend to bring up thoughts of my childhood because you're just like from my home street, you know. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. No <laughs> worries. But yeah, I I'm, get what I'm you're sorry. saying. I didn't mean to. No, 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 not at all, Calvin. I, I'm trying to warn you <laughs> that like you might want to talk about it with somebody at some point. I've had conver I've had a lot of thoughts with myself about what my childhood could do to how I act in society, and I've found a lot of correlations. Absolutely, it has everything to do with it. Which is actually which which one thing that's um one like being home for the summer. I found a lot of I've had like a lot of those thoughts, and I've definitely try to change some things that i do that's that that's i think that's one of the biggest things that like that's the whole when i was talking about thing you can do when i was talking about um changing who i am outside of my professional life like i think because i i really do a good job like in my professional life none of that's like I, i've noticed that like those habits are built from me as a person like a professional person in personal training those yeah. habits those things that i do there don't have too much to do with who I uh, like? Who, I try to make sure I find all the correlations of what I was as a kid in terms of what I understand of what I think it's done to me to there. And the the one thing that I would say is there is the anxiety when things start to get uh, seem to be a little possibly unorganized or to where the person I I get an emotional response where I feel like the person isn't enjoying the session at that second. I try to make like. I have anxiety, so I... You're trying to fix the situation yeah, but, to stay safe. But I don't need to do that. So no. that's what makes it worse, and then it makes it look like it's on me yeah. when other people have an emotional response. Sometimes I will seem, I will think I need to just fix it and help them. Because, Which seems like such a, a great idea in the moment, because you're just like, oh, I'll just fix the situation. It sounds but great. It's not good for you. No. It, and, and when you make that your life strategy, it is so hard. It is so hard. 
So that's basically I'm learning to break that habit now in real like in real time. This is what this is like what I'm going through in my life. And it's way too late, man. I've spent way too much time just ignoring it and just thinking like eventually I just won't even think about it, but I do. I think about it a lot. Um yeah. When think I be, about that outcome? Of, of, I, I think about stuff just like my reactions to things and how it, how they trace back to my childhood. And then I'll start thinking about my childhood and I'll feel resentment towards people who I think let me down. And then I then I realize like, what, what am I doing? I'm like, why am I sitting here in these thoughts? And I'll get in repetitive loops where I'm just like, uh, like I want to have conversations with my parents that I just can't have um, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But um, in ways that I was just like shaped by some fundamental parts of my childhood that weren't great, uh-huh. uh, and they had huge impacts on me. And I've and I have figured that out through my self discovery, and I will I want to share it with them. But it makes them look bad, so I I don't I don't. And um, yeah, and I just I waited way too long to to really dig into it, like I and I just just kind of ran myself in circles trying to figure out why I was the way I was. I, I, I've had just such bad anxiety and s- struggled with depression quite a bit and substance abuse and a lot of things that I really never felt like were me. I'm just like not actually that guy. I'm a very happy person. I like, I really, I really feel genuine joy when I feel like I'm in my true self. And I didn't feel that for years and years and years. Um, just, I felt like I was constantly just doing the work of, trying to emotionally juggle every person in my life and trying to make sure they were all okay so that I could be okay. And then um, on top of that, you you start to build layers of resentment because people start to resent you because you built, you set precedents for like, this is what I do for you. This is our relationship. And then maybe your life changes, you take on too much and you can't meet those responsibilities. And then all of a sudden this person is like, what the fuck, man? Um, and they may not say that, but they're they're feeling it and they're saying they're saying it with their the way they interact with you and like you know what I mean just like the, just the micro interactions that we all have on a daily basis they all trace back to your foundational experiences and so yeah I think that just some of the experiences of growing up poor were traumatic uh, and and just what how that affects your interactions with other kids and also unhealthy I was chubby and it was very, very hard for me just to just to be comfortable in my own skin because people fucking talked about it constantly. I had like I actually I sometimes do think that when I because I talk about people's bodies, I actually try to really to celebrate people's bodies. Like when somebody puts in a ton of work on their body and like they're doing it partially so that people can appreciate it. It's impossible not to like you think about it when you're working out. You're like, this is going to look good. This is going to look good. And so I try to be a person who's like, you look good good job working out but because of the way that the me too thing and everything i don't feel comfortable saying that to women anymore i feel like that would be risky so but i still say it to a dude um nice job nice delts look like they're popping keep up those shrugs or whatever yeah that makes sense i i don't uh i personally really try not to even create a situation where i'm talking about anyone else's body because i've found that whenever Whenever I do that, it has the, it has the opportunity to just go so south. It's not funny. It really does. Yeah, it really does. And 
I, but I want it not to, though. Mm-hmm. I want it not to. That's why I try to do it. But it sometimes does feel like I'm forcing it. Yeah. Uh, and also, like when people do it to me, it feels like they're forcing it because I'm not. I'm not looking great. <laughs> I was like, I've looked much better. So if someone goes to cup of tub telling me, "Oh, you're glowing. You've never looked, never looked better." I'm like, well, that's not true. Yeah. Like you're lying. That that the, there. Yeah, yeah. Because you know you know who you are personally, right? Yeah. So like, when I if I have a situation where I'm not like super cuts or this or that i just know it so when people try to say things to me it doesn't bother me yeah me either not anymore i just know like i've had uh, someone had told me a a skill of being able to tell yourself things in your head so when someone else tells you something you're unfazed yeah so I've had I'm trying to learn how to have very good conversations with myself and like my the head. true things, the good things, the true good things yeah. of who I am and what I do and who I want to be and what I want to do. So when someone else tells me something, that's not going to bother me. That's self actualization. Yeah. In practice, like yeah. you are actually that self. Yep. You're making it real. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you t- you carry that with you into experiences. Yeah. And then that is who you become. That's I, I really believe in that philosophy. The amount of choice that we have as human beings to make changes to who we are fundamentally as a person like on a cellular level is really huge we and people just act like we don't even have that power it's it's and like you're talking about in pretty abstract terms uh but it's the same thing like you're choosing the kind of person you want to be you've recognized the kind of qualities you would like to achieve and then you're you're embodying that and that's that's what you're supposed to do that's how you do it Mm -hmm. and um it's you don't you can't let your environment dictate who you are completely but you also have to acknowledge the influence and it same with other people. You can't let them dictate who you are completely, but you have to acknowledge their influence because it does affect you. And yeah, it's just a balancing act, all those things together. But we really can, at the end of the day, pick who we want to be and then figure out like, all right, well, what does that person feel like? What does that person do? What does that person, how do they respond to this? Build that person, that ideal person who you want to be in your head and then really live it and meditate on it. That's a helpful part of it. Is, is just like to really remove distractions and, and think of it as like, I'm going to embody this person and then move move through and just, and, and you, it's probably not going to be a immediate thing. Like you're going to have, it's a process of learning like, oh, this one is harder for me to extinguish than like the, those other negative traits. Like what's a bad one for me? Anger. Like when I'm, when I have, I, I can take so much shit. I can take so much shit. And because I take so much shit without reacting bad, without freaking out, I just try to subdue people. Like I, I'm really good at calming people down and um, I have to do it for my job regularly. And I just like, I do it with kids. I, I'm good at calming people down. And because of that, I feel like I put so much effort in there that when it's not working and so, when I've like used all my best, like, okay, take a breath. Come on. Look, we're all friends here. Every, like when I'm, I've done everything I can to calm somebody down, and they're not calming down. I, I, this, this fucking rage overtakes me that I feel like I will just destroy anything in my path, and I'm just like, oh no, this is not good. And um, it, it like, it's hard to explain, but it's a, it's a very powerful feeling. I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. It's a power I don't want to experience, and <clears throat> it's just like. It's almost like you have the audacity to still be fucking screaming when I have used all my niceness. You had no idea. This is your fault. I'm going to become a fucking monster now. 
and then I do. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So I wonder how that relates back because I have had the, I have been that person always that I will, I don't, I, I rarely get mad. Oh, fuck. I don't want to get you there then. Yeah. It's probably disastrous. Yeah. Like I haven't, I, I, I feel like the longer the fuse, the bigger the bomb. I don't know, dude. I, I feel like it's buried. Yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I just, a lot of things like you probably really don't though. You, if you haven't explored it, you don't know. I, the only, no one's ever pushed you there, huh? I like literally Bubba. Bubba and I were talking about a story one time of how what I, uh, one of our buddies, we were out all hanging out, and he tried to punch me in the head. I ducked. He tried to punch me again, and I ducked. And then I just slammed him to the ground and held his arms above his head and said, "Stop." Yeah, you're uh, just a naturally strong kid. I mean, you're not a kid anymore, but you were a strong kid. You're not the type who can beat people up and get away with it. You would have been in juvie. Um, probably well, for real, man. They like Ocean Park kid who's just naturally kind of athletic, beating people up. You're gone. Honestly, y- yes. Yeah. Well, like what's really interesting about growing up is I felt like I had a target on me, but I didn't have a target on me because some people knew people loved you that I was really that I was meant good. Yeah. But I think some people still had. Yeah, dickheads. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Because you were poor. Yeah. There's, there's classism. It's real. Yeah. Dude, I experienced that too. It sucks. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. No, I just live it. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, 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 I don't, I lived through it. I, for me personally, I don't, I don't care about that kind of, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I found it. It's really helped me become emotionally stronger. Yeah. But then I realized now I have to go and find and become emotionally strong and intelligent in these other areas that I wasn't exposed to because of that. So that's how I feel about it. So that's why I'm trying to push. I look at my, someone I met the other day from Cornell was down and he was telling me about a book called Anti-Fragile. Oh yeah. I haven't read it, but I really like the idea about it. And it was talking about, let's say your, your skill set or something is basically a fishing net. And if you don't do things, if you don't put more fish, if you don't put more load on that fishing net, it doesn't need to grow. So me as a human, if I don't put more load on my life, more stress on myself, I'm not going to grow and I'm going to stagnate, if not diminish. So, but if I continually add stress, my fishing net's going to have to grow to hold more fish and hold more stress, hold more. I would just say, and when I say stress, I'm putting myself in uncomfortable positions to You're grow. You're choosing the stress. To grow. Exactly. Yeah, you, I am you choosing. You are selecting the, it's I a am, selective stress. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I'm for, at the, a, for an intended result. I'm at the point in my life now where, yeah, I find it, like I have to, I have to work through school and I have the stress of school. And, but those are technically both I mean, school is definitely a choice, right? And yeah. then I put, I, I'm continually still putting stress on myself out of life outside of there. And that's where the balance in, in terms of me sometimes falls because I stress, 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 and I'll stress here, stress here, and then try to stress one more time. And like, let's, then, then I'm just sitting there like, oh, dude, I got to go to bed. And, and then, then burn the next, out. Yeah. Yeah. But not, it's not. Oh, burnout. but okay. So you get a night's sleep and you're back at it the next day. Yes. And that's not burnout. Yeah. You're just tired. Yeah. You're but, just killing it. But what, the thing about that is, is, I, I need to I need to balance I think to where I have a little more social it's social in terms of um like what does it take for you to get your your bucket filled socially what do you need what do you mean like like to feel, to feel your needs met socially like oh. everyone's got a little bit different some people are like traditional they need to go out and party and be around a lot of people with lots of stuff to do and lots going on other people need a quiet setting where they can actually connect on an intimate level like or a mix of that What's your needs? Uh, um, well, how do you do it? Now? I can be I can be filled either way. 
Uh-huh. So one thing, so when I'm talking about uh, I need that socialization, I've actually started to view socialization as a, a skill I can continually benefit from. So it's not hard for me to me find times to go and socialize because now it's like work. It's like working out your it, social muscles. It, yes, but I try to become a better listener. So when I go to big, large groups now, what I'm, what I'm trying to practice as a human is listening more than speaking because I've always been the talker. I've always, I know I can lead conversations. If I need to jump into a conversation and lead it when a group of people that I think has importance to me and they seem like great people, I'm going to, I can hop into that conversation and lead and talk with them. But I need to get better at the other side too because when Billy comes to my conversation and talks every fucking time and I don't get to talk, I get annoyed. Yeah. 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 Well, you got some shit to say. Exactly. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? I do. Becoming becoming good at both is really important. I think balance is the be all end all of everything in that in the universe. Honestly, uh, you think about how molecular structure works and everything. Polarity holds everything together. You know, positive, negative attraction. Balance is everything. It's uh, equilibrium within your body, within society. We have to just keep balance. It's just crucially important and because of that we have so much flexibility because when we get too heavy in one area we can you know make that up somewhere else in terms of even society or or your own life like if you're do like you just said it you just said it if you're you're grinding on multiple fronts you might be doing all the right things and using your time all productively but if you're if you're feeling like you're not quite getting enough of that social aspect or enough of that like your spiritual health uh whatever that your needs for that are like some people seem to have none at all um and other people are like obsessed with it um spiritual meaning like esoteric kind of like what are we like what are what is our soul is there a god are we connected to something bigger than ourselves that kind of stuff do you ever think about that stuff uh, like being connected to something bigger. Yeah. Or like stuff, the larger concepts that are outside of your individual life, but like uh, of what we are, humanity as a whole thing. like Of how it developed maybe? Not how it developed as much as like, what is it in its, in its entirety? Like, where does it go? Um, what is the universe? Like, what the fuck is this thing? Rarely. Well, usually with my, I'll have a conversation where I'm talking. That's how that would kind of lead. Yeah. That, that, that kind of, that, that makes me think sci-fi type stuff. So it aliens, is. That's exactly right? what so I mean. Yeah. That's, that's what I talk about. I have to speak about that. I don't just, I don't typically just think about that. That's why those conversations are really, I really enjoy having those because yeah. I get really cool perspectives on the world, but I don't, I, me personally, that's not something I just think about. No, which actually now, now saying that might be kind of cool to think about occasionally because it would be a good skill maybe to to develop. Oh, that shit's fun to talk about. Yeah. I I think about it all the time. I spend a ton of time like uh, driving for work, so I'm I'm like listening to audiobooks and occasionally I'll I'll listen to some about some heady topics just because I'm like ah fuck I'm stuck in this truck all day. I might as well listen to a book about string theory and just so I can talk about it. And so and little did I know, no one gives a fuck about string theory. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm gonna grab a Lacroix. You want one? Uh, yes, please. What's really interesting to talk about when you say no one lime or grapefruit? Uh, no, no preference. But what's really interesting about that is, guess what? I want to talk about all the time. String theory? No, <laughs> fitness. So yeah. when you're finding these things that you think are really cool, you want to talk about them, right? Yeah. Well, when I'm constantly thinking about these things, you know how many girls I've came into my room. 
that sounds really bad. You know, people have came into my room in general and girls that I've hung out with that like come to my house and see bunch of books in my room and and I'd start to talk to them and I'm talking about fitness and exercise and like who in the hell is this weirdo like when the cheer no like, that's such a great that's a when great the, image when, this, when the cheer age. when the cheer team can't, like comes over and stuff like you got the whole team well I live with cheerleaders right so like there's I didn't know there's that. always so at our house like when they have a cheer party or a cheer hangout, like that, that's what I, I mean like there's a lot of girls at our house and so many of those girls have came in and like they they like we're cool but it's like it's it's just like at our age i think it's like it's like oh that's really cool but it's like if that make, if that makes sense it's not like oh it's nerdy it's, it's it, not it's not it's attractive like exactly and it's, okay. to me i i think it's I, very cool i don't like that's not something that upsets me but i think it's kind of funny so i think it's yeah. so sometimes i'll like like when uh when, when they're over i'll sometimes like almost fuck with them and like and like show my like show my book or whatever, but sometimes I just like get so into it that I'm like, no, I, we're t like this. Is let's what, talk about. Let's this. talk about this. Yeah, my roommate, which is why it's really cool, because my roommate studies kinesiology too. So we'll we'll have some really cool conversations about it. That's cool. Yeah, that shit is like uh, feels like learning secrets to me. The kinesiology stuff about movement, about like well, like locked shoulder. You ever you know anything about shoulders? Um. Ball and socket joint that it, it mine, moves. Mine slips out, planes. like partially slips out sometimes, and it'll just pop right back in. And it used to hurt really bad. Now it doesn't even hurt. Um, it's crazy. What so. what I think is really crazy about exercise is it's it's a medicine. If when yeah. you start to understand how exercise works, it starts to become a a medicine because it's a stimulus and a response, and it's not just like the process of lifting a weight. It's way more than the process of just lifting a weight. You hit it's it on a the head. Long pro progressive overload and all that. Yeah, well, progressive overload is the idea. It basically progressive overload is what allows Wolf's law to work, right? What's so Wolf's law? Wolf's law is the, the law that um, the body's going to adapt to this forces uh, forces put on it, right? So let's say uh, there's a really popular what is it like the birds on the island thing. I, oh I yeah, yeah. The finches. Is that, is that what it was? Galapagos finches. Yeah. So the idea that my body is going to adapt to the uh, to the stimuli that are um, being provided to it, right? Yeah. So if I stress my muscle, if I hurt and destroy my muscle by hypertrophy, hypertrophy exactly by by destroying the muscle fibers, if I recover properly, my body is going to want to grow. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just like an equation. Think of it like this. I'm lifting this weight up. It's My body says, ow, that hurts. I am not comfortable. I'm no longer in equilibrium. I need to find a way so this does not hurt me again. Because like I said earlier, the organism does not like to be um, in uncomfortable situations of stress. It's going to want to find find uh, comfortability, right? So it's, gonna, it's going to grow so it hurts less to lift that weight. I, that's exactly how, yeah. how you can think of that. And that's why your diet and sleep. Is so important. Exactly. So I heard this said a lot when I was in college. It's like, um, if you want to grow, the lift is is why you grow, the food is how you grow, and the sleep is when you grow. And like that's, I don't know how true it is, but I loved the way that made me think about the whole process as kind of a series of steps, and that's all. They're all equally important. Yeah. So it's like when people say, "Oh, it's all nutrition." It's all. It's funny because it's like. A triangle doesn't stand without one of its sides, dude. Yeah. So it, it, you, you can try to build a house, but try ordering not try to try to build a house and live in it, and not order all the parts. Forget the roof, like or forget a wall. Like it doesn't work. Like it doesn't that. work. So people people really like that. Uh, people, what's really interesting is people love to ask questions about the gym 
and try to do the least amount of work possible in developing that question. Yeah. What is with that? That they want the fastest route possible. Yeah. When I'm really into something, I don't have that impulse. I want to take as many side routes as possible so I learn all the different ways you can fail. I want like when I'm learning a new skill, one of the things I always Google is uh common mistakes for blank skiing building a house whatever i don't care i want to know how other people have fucked this up and then by doing that i know what not to do and i and then then you're like then i start i go into like um all right now how do you do this that's Um, so genius it works great it works really good except i did still dislocate my knee but that's the hypermobility (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to start doing that with, with other things now. That's a great idea. I tried what to do the pizza do. slice, and I still just crashed. Right, because we, like an internship, right? I'm mm-hmm. down at the beach learning from Rob. So he is going to he, – he's trying to put me in situations and help me learn mistakes not to do as well, right? So You know who's got a great YouTube uh, full of fitness stuff like that? Uh, Jeff Cavalier, yeah. Athlete X. Have you ever heard of that? I have. He's great. Yep. I just heard him on a podcast on Huberman Lab today, so I, I, he's fresh on my mind. But I used to watch his stuff all the time. He's really good. Yeah, yeah, I like That's... that stuff. You ever, are you ever have any ambitions to move into social media or video production type stuff? Oh, uh, 100 percent. Yeah, monetize that. So shit. I, I think that I think then, yeah. So the, what's really interesting about social media and is is fucked up as it is to say this, dude. The better I look, the the more opportunity I have there. That's just 100%. how humans work. Yeah. So for every, it's, everyone, it's just, a, it's, just everyone. it's just a longer process because I mean, people, when people call me like, Oh, you look good. You look big. I'm like, in my head, I'm just, I, I don't say this, but I, I used to, I'd be like, Oh dude, you have no idea. Like this is <laughs> like, I don't say that anymore because then I look like the, the douchebag. I'm like, yeah, th- then I'm not, I'm not humbled. I'm not this or that. It's hard to talk about your body when, whether people are criticizing you or not, it's, it's really like, or giving you, glorious compliments it's still just like you never know what to say i just say thank you yeah i just say thank you yeah because i'm not being disrespectful i'm not harming anybody Mm -hmm. i'm I'm moving on say thank you like or thank you i worked hard so that i I, i'll say one of those because i like them to know that you can get this too Mm -hmm. so maybe saying like that's probably making more people think i can't do it like oh that sounds hard i'm not doing that it is really hard right (laughs) so they don't want to most people don't want to do things that are that are hard i guess is what i mean what's that's in- that's a shitty thing for me to say but it, i think it's true it's it's not a shitty thing because it is true so yeah. the thing about that is is people people with see that's why i don't i don't tell the people what to do because I, I feel i don't feel the need to right it's it, it's just there you present the information and allow them to make their own decisions exactly so when i'm training someone i'm not going to harp on them all the time i'm going to give them information of what to do and move from there what if they ask you specifically for that like they're like hey I really need you to like get on me about this, and it's. It, I really need it. I get lazy really easily. Also, it turns me on sexually. Can you please just like yell at me a little bit while I'm lifting? It turns me on sexually. Is that... What? It turns you on sexually? No, that that no that. Well, you wouldn't do it if it, if they told me it turned them on sexually. I would not do it. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. But if what if they left that part out? If they and left they just that part out, kept that part in their head. Oh, I would. But you could still kind of tell. I would 100% do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would motivate them. Like, I, I. So that's that's the thing. I would motivate them. I would. I would add more motivation, but I would still try to be within who I am as like who who I am and who I believe how exercise should be done. Yeah. So I'm not going to like if they say they want motivation. I'm going to. I'm going to have more sessions with them as a personal trainer. My my sessions Make that are money stack that paper. Well, well, exactly. So, but I'm not going to go into the session saying, "Hey, Billy." 
Like, I'm not going to be trying to hype Billy up yeah, the I whole guess, time. It, so, when, why would it be their job to tell you how to do it? You're, you're the professional. Exactly. That's why they're paying you. Exactly. Like, I'll yell at you when I need to yell at you, and that's not that much. Like, Exactly. So, I'm not. I, when people ask for specific things, I, I find ways to, to, to do it, but not by trying to inflict who I am as a, as a person and who I am as a trainer. Because yeah. I think then That's I would be job. trying to change who I am all the time. So if someone wants motivation, I'm going to create more sessions with them. I still think, I personally think I, I already have a motivating factor as a trainer. It's mm -hmm. just different. If you know your shit, that's motivating. Exactly, that's right? What, yeah, most yeah, people so want that. I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to try to be nice about being honest with you. I'm going, I'm going to be respectful to you at all times. I'm going, some people I engage in conversation with more because I can tell they like to talk. So that's, that's where really big part of me becoming a listener and not a talker is big because sometimes I have clients who, guess what, just want to fucking exercise. And imagine if you're if you're trying to come in and get some work in and I won't shut the hell up. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be able to read people and know who's who. Exactly. For sure. I'm going to check my list um, before we run out of time just in case I had any questions I don't want to miss. Well, while I'm while I am reading the list, why don't you tell us what your favorite summer fruit is? Favorite summer fruit. Favorite summer fruit. You know, nectarines, peaches. What are you, an apple guy? Um, I eat apples. I would say almost year round, but uh, summer fruit, watermelon. That's a good one. Yeah, because like one. I don't really eat watermelon any other time of the year, but side summer. Me, I'm a nectarine man myself. Yeah, yeah, can't beat it. It's like. When I first learned that nectarines existed, it was kind of groundbreaking because I've always loved a peach. I still love a peach, but I can't stand the fuzz. It makes me – its revol I find it revolting. Yeah. It, it makes me want to crawl out of my skin if I even touch it or even think about touching it. So if I had a peach, I'd have to get a really ripe one that I, to where you can like just peel the skin off. Then those are delicious. But then I'm like, what is this shiny peach over here? And I pull that bitch up and give it a bite, you know? And it was a peach with no fuzz. I was like, this is – brilliant it's it has to be some kind of a super fruit that they made in a lab somewhere but long story short they're my favorite fruit they're amelia too she just told me that the other day i was like we're snack buddies for life okay uh, i have time enough for one question i think i will go with body dysmorphia <laughs> yeah do you think it's common and what is the deal? Do you think people are able to perceive their own appearance easily? Do you think it's something we universally deal with, like trying to make sense of who we are and our identity? Or is this a rare thing that only happens to really affected bodybuilders and anorexics? Everybody. Everybody. I, I personally believe everybody. And that's because I've had so many things said to me in my life that I've thought about that I know, well, I believe it's driven off of an insecurity or, or something related to the body. So I've gone through, I, I, I think I had some sort of eating disorder, to be honest, because I would eat really well. And then one night just, I mean, eat everything I could fucking see and feel like I gained 20 pounds and, or like felt like my belly was about to explode and then eat really good and then do it over and over again. But I, I'm, I'm at a, I went through a long process of Did you that. do that for years? Not years, no. A, a while though. Uh, uh, probably like eight months. That's not bad. No. That's not bad at all. No. But, but I mean, it's not a good way to eat. I mean, that's binge eating. Yeah, that's binge eating, right? Yeah. But I was like... What were you binging on? Whatever is in the house, dude. Oh, just anything. <laughs> anything, yeah. Yeah. Anything. Did that, were you working out a lot? Yeah, but it, it, 
that, that wasn't the point, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the point was to be, I wanted to be shredded at the time because I thought that oh, was something Oh, you're that trying mattered. to cut? Yeah. Dude, that sounds like a very, very normal reaction to a cut. Like really? that, yo, oh, cravings? Yeah. But, but I mean, it was like a four, it was like a four year cut, but I was always just trying to be lean. So I, I feel oh, like yeah. it was always like a, a forward and backwards type thing. Oh, so you were trying to establish your set point at, at a certain body type or a certain weight range or whatever, however you quantify it. And you were messing that up because you were constantly doing these binges and then getting back on it and then going back to binge. And, and so it would jump around a lot. Kind of. But I also think I also think that a lot of my life has been uh, geared around being zero to 100 for specific things because mm. it doesn't it, it, I don't have to think about my past when I do that. Yeah. But now I understand that. So it's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, doing that kind of work is is very hard. Like thinking about shit you don't want to think about. I I've just been on it lately. Like I talked, I just read this book. I did a couple of podcasts about trauma, it, loosely on trauma, and I've, so I've just been in that material. And so that's what I've been talking about with people in real life too. And I realized that like it's so common. So many people have shit that they have buried, and they don't even really you don't even really know what's back there because it's so hard to think about. And I just. Whenever you eventually do dig it out of there, man, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. It's because it, that shit, it sucks. No one ever wants to talk about it or deal with it. And I, uh, I, I get it. Yeah. What's really weird is that, that we actually had this, this podcast at this time, because over the last three or four days, I've had a lot of mental conversation with myself about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm really like, yeah, I've, I've always like, people always have seen me as a hard worker, this and that. But I think that I like, I've moved on from a lot of things that I noticed were holding me back. If you look at successful people in the world, almost universally, they have had some traumatic shit happen to them. So I have built the idea that what it takes to build success in this world is, well, like people have always said, it takes luck. You have to be lucky. Part of that luck is experiencing some horrible shit as a kid and and taking the good from it and taking what strength you've built or whatever you learned from that process and taking it with you into your new life and leaving the shit behind and letting it like processing it however you can do that and and moving into the next stage of your life and building something with these brand new tools that you have that a lot of people don't have because they didn't have to build them and i i really think that that's just almost a universal truth about success is that like you you learned these ways of getting by to survive and they have serendipitously happen to be the tools that will get you to massive levels of success if you apply yourself correctly. Mm-hmm. And I, I really I really do think that's the truth. And th- by that same logic, if you aren't able to rise above that stuff, it can drag you back down. So far down, dude. Yeah. And it's these, easy. These few things these few things I was like thinking about I'm like, oh yeah, like this isn't that doesn't like restrict me horribly, but it restricts me. And it's and it, that that restriction is going to add up over time and mm-hmm. it's going to turn on and off a lot of open and close a lot of doors that could just be opens if I didn't have that. But yeah, I think a lot of the body just going back to the body dysmorphia thing. I think that a lot of, uh, I, I know that it's, it's common. I think it's so common. I've had, I've had so many people just randomly tell me like if I'm eating something that they don't think if I'm eating a lot of food or I'm eating a food that they don't think I should be eating because I'm, if I'm trying to get lean or I'm trying to do whatever with my body that they've literally said, why are you eating that? Or like, are you supposed to be eating that? Or, and most likely they're thinking about themselves. They're like, well, if he, if he's maybe he's what they're confused probably. Cause, cause like you're a big guy, you're a fit guy. And they just like, well, why is he eating that cheeseburger? And I can't eat a cheeseburger because they've made a rule that they can't have a cheeseburger because cheeseburger equals fat ass. 
And that rule's bullshit. Like, we all get to make our own rules. Yeah. And, like, if it's working for you, it's working for you. And if it's not, it's not. It's interesting because I think most of it's driven by insecurities, to be honest. So I don't uh, – I, I have no retaliation because I've I found to under, understand, like, uh, nice. Like, yeah. I So what's helped me a lot with not retaliating to other people is if someone says something mean to me, it's probably because they're insecure about something within themselves. Almost so certainly. So I, I have no reason to reply to you because I'm trying I, – I, I'm trying to get to a point where I've said everything that anyone could possibly say to me. And if I haven't, I'm, it's not worse than what I've said. So it's not going to have any effect on me. Yeah. They don't get to decide. No. Other people don't get to decide who you are. No. We, we all get to decide who we are. Exactly. And that's, that's, let's end on that. All right. This has been a really a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming, Calvin. Come back anytime. It's Thanks really, for having it's me on really the show. It's been a really good time. Yeah. Do you have fun. any closing words before we get out of here? No, thank you. Thanks for coming, yeah. man. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link, and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye. Take